Ciao. Ciao. You're not keeping your part of the bargain. Or have you forgotten? When I drink, I forget a lot of things. It makes life much easier. I haven't been drinking. Too bad. You really should sometimes. Dear Andrea, I'll be away until Tuesday. I was broke, so I took some money from the usual place. Have fun. No. Yes, if you want to get laid, go ahead. You know it doesn't bother me. You wear glasses now. Only when I work. It's bad for you not to make love, you know. You're a liar, a whore. What kind of doctor you come from? Your mother doesn't take care of you. Your father's got remote. You stay home for the aged. And you play Trump in one sports car after another. Was it a red sports car? A Triumph. Well, that car just happens to belong to my brother Walter, you idiot. You know, ever since you've been playing detective, you just can't get anything right. You really had me a laugh. You're pathetic. Did you know I was off the story? Ah, uh, Bill. I was going to send you over to cover the bank. You make me puke. The lot of you. Ogle may take your crap, but not me. You think I don't know that Dr. Penny is a big shareholder in this wreck? And then he came into about a quarter of a million when his wife died. All right, so what? Don't shout! You always were stupid! Haven't you realized yet that your crazy, unconformist ideas don't go around here? You're not the man you were, Bill. I thought there was some good in you, boy. Then you hit the bottle. And all you're good for now is dragging your ass in this cesspool of a newspaper. Is that so? Why do you listen to me? I may have become a piece of shit, but you are what you were when you started. And bastard who sold his soul. I warn you, you'll pay for this. Tuesday, sacred to Mars. The god of violence and war. It is the most favorable day for those born under the sign of Aries. Ciao, ciao, everyone. Hello. How's it going? Oh, we're starting. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> <clears throat> Welcome to Jello Ciao, ciao. 
um, the All Jallo Show, and I am Creep Creeperson, and with me is... This is the Phantom Eric. Ooh. Or you can just call me Eric. We're all friends. <laughs> and... And... And Chris, the proprietor and owner and brainchild of Jalloscore.com. You're the brainchild? <laughs> like, Jalloscore created you? Wait, is that how that works? How's that saying go? Yeah. No, totally. you're, you were right. I, I fucked that up. I think maybe I screwed it up. <clears throat> it's a child of your brain. I think that's how it works. Yes. So, Jallo Score is my brainchild, says Chris. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, probably. That was kind of confusing. I'm, I'm Googling cool. it as we speak. <laughs> How many brain children do you have, Creep? Oh, I am like a crazy Mormon on a reality show with my like the Gene children. Simmons of brain children? No, I'm like that mayor in Utah senator guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he has to keep building a bigger house because he can't keep it in his pants. Right. Yeah. There's no... Uh, no protection when it comes to your ideas dude me and condoms we just do not work <laughs> what about um you you would be what the the would i be what am i you're you're the rommel of pets i'll take it <laughs> <laughs> but dude i did it all up right i have a cup of hazelnut coffee that i'm drinking right now it's actually hawaiian hazelnut and then i made a, another cup of espresso and i have my glass of jnb i'm like ready to do this oh boy boobs that's yeah. the uh, airport the airport oh wait no that, that's the airplane it's probably going into the airport. Yes. Is it the missing one? Did you find it? The missing, the missing plane. Is there a plane missing right now? <laughs> yeah. Is there, is there really? Yeah, one left Malaysia a couple days ago and no one knows what happened to it. Well, well that's where your problem is right there. <laughs> <laughs> Is the but the but the Bermuda Triangle isn't anywhere near there, so that's why I'm confused. We're near Malaysia? Yeah. No, but communist people are. <laughs> I know that's like there's already conspiracy theories <clears throat> because they apparently have been calling the people that were on the plane and their phones are ringing, so they know that they're not like at the bottom of an ocean or anything. Hmm. Um, so they're wondering if. There was some sort of like, <clears throat> kidnapping or hijacking or something. And the plane never took off. It took off, and then it, they just never got contact with it. Or they lost contact with it, and now they haven't been able to find it, find remains of it or anything. So I'm going to guess uh, the plot of Airplane 2. That's what I'm <laughs> Flying it into the sun. <laughs> no one... Yeah, no one thought of that. That's weird. That's what happens. Isn't that the one where the airplane kind of turns into the space shuttle or something? Yeah. <laughs> They're like in space or some shit. <laughs> and they have to stop from flying into the sun. <laughs> it's very foreshadowing of um, Virgin Atlantic or something like that. What's that guy? Yeah. White pants? Yeah, Richard. Yes, Richard. Or something. Prince. He wants to... 
<laughs> Virgin Galactic. Virgin Galactic, that's what it is, dude. That guy is weird. Yep. Did you ever watch his show a long time ago? It was like a reality show where he would make you uh, do these ridiculous stunts and and then... I don't know, it was like a survivor meets... Um, mean uh, rich guy? Yeah, the one with Donald Trump. Uh, oh, the, uh, it was the, the Apprentice and Survivor put together or something. It was, nah. it, was, it was bad. It was really bad. Wow. With Richard Branson. Like, he had to climb up the side of a hot air balloon. You know, that ridiculous kind of stuff. Shit that he does, like, on a Wednesday. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got out and did it, too. Like, that was the thing. Like, oh, the what an awesome dick. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, welcome to the show. This is episode nine. Nine. And we're doing the fifth chord. You know what we probably should have done was try to match the episode number to weird number in a movie. <laughs> that would have been fun. It would only have lasted a little bit, but that could right. have been good, good times. Yeah. So like cat of nine tails we should do tonight. Yeah. That would that would have been smarter. Yeah, and we screwed up four flies in gray velvet. I think that was yeah, and seven, seven. bloodstained orchids. We yeah. screwed the pooch on that one too. Should yeah. just start over. Yeah, start with episode one again. There's actually two giallos with the number seven. There's seven deaths in a cat's eye. Isn't there the woman in red kills seven times? Oh yeah, there you go. That's right. And then there's another one too. Seven faces of Satan or seven faces of death. Is that right? Never heard of that one. There's this one that's on YouTube. Um, and it, I think the way it, the title is, it's like early 70s Jallo. And I watched it and it was seriously the boringest movie I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> um, but I kept watching it thinking something was going to happen. I'm like, well, something's got to happen. You know, I've been watching it, you know, for 30 minutes now. Something's got to happen. And it never really did. But it had um, that dude with the awesome hair that's in um, Blade of the Ripper. And um, I think he's in All the Colors Dark, too. That guy who's not George Hilton, but his name is like Ivan Fuxky or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say the German guy. (laughs) Yeah, he was in it and he he was like the inspector. It was weird. But yeah, good times. Interesting. <clears throat> so, um, we have a show here to do, um, and today we're doing the fifth chord, and um, I asked a question on Facebook, and that question was, is there a jolly that when you first saw, you absolutely detested it? And I mean, like, vocally was against this film. And then watched it again, and now it's kind of one of your favorites. Is there a, a film like that? And we have some uh, responses from people. Um, let me see. Where are they? <clears throat> Alex uh, said... Let me see. Um, oh, he attached a file. Sorry, guys. Alex is smarter than me, and he attached a file. file. Um, 
Oh my gosh, I can't believe. Oh, it's a audio file. There we go. Um, so I guess I'll play that somehow. Um, crap, can I play it right now? Would you guys be able to hear it? Let's see. Can you? Are you guys there? Yeah. Right here. <laughs> okay. This is uh, the beta version of Jello Chow Chow. Let's see. This is Axe-Wielding Alex sending in a message from Korea. Uh, Creek posted on the Facebook page a question, something to the effect of, what kind of Jallo have you have you disliked upon first viewing and then liked more later on? I don't quite have a real answer to that, but I just wanted to share my thoughts on uh, Jallo and Italian cinema in general. I became a fan of uh, Italian cinema mostly through zombie films so even today I haven't seen a lot of Jello and each new one that I walk into I have a bit of trepidation because even though I admit that they're generally better made than the zombie or cannibal exploitation flicks um, they're certainly much more stylish and uh, the artistic flair is much, much better, but I tend to I tend to prefer the zombie films because I can zone out. Like, there's a lot of Jallo, uh, Jolly films you have to kind of think, and I've I've noticed lately watching uh, some films after listening to you guys talk about them that uh, I don't know if I could have uh, made such a great synopsis as as you guys make because I'm watching them and I'm thinking who the hell is this character he looks like this guy I don't understand any of these characters names um, just different weird situations the girls kind of sometimes look alike uh, I mean it's probably completely the fault of me as a viewer but you know you watch a cannibal film you watch a zombie film it's pretty easy you know who the bad guy is you can zone out and just enjoy the gore and whatnot. Uh, a Jallo is a kind of on a different intellectual level. You got to think a bit more. So and it's a more, a little bit more, um, a little bit more strenuous to watch, I would say. So I don't really have a pick, but I, I have been viewing a lot of these Jallos for the first time, along with the podcast. And I have been impressed by most of them so far. So I just want to say, keep up the keep up the good work, guys. And I'm enjoying the podcast. Ciao. Yay! <laughs> that was awesome. <clears throat> I was I was pretty much cracking up the whole way through that because that's basically me in a nutshell as well when I watch these movies. Um, and you kind of touched upon that that battle that we always seem to have every episode when we talk about it. Is it something we want to just sit down and uh, study the minutia of, or is it something like Chris was talking about where you want to go with your babe to the theater with some popcorn, um, whether there's a hole in the bag or not, and just have a good time? <laughs> or if it's something for just some spank bank. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sitting yeah. alone, getting yourself drunk and stupid, and yeah. geeking out on lamps. There you go, and wallpaper. Coaches. <laughs> Oh, man, there is some beautiful stuff out there, man, for reals. <clears throat> so um, I I enjoyed that he prefaced that by saying, yeah, I'm not going to answer your question, but let me tell you a story. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thanks, Alex. That was awesome. Seriously. 
Um, let me see here. And yeah, and I would like to tell Alex that it's not the fault of the viewer if you seem to get all the actors and actresses' names and the characters' names confused while you're watching these films because um, I think even in the days when um, they were shown to the Italian audiences, I think half the crowd probably weren't paying attention either. So, um, Well, I think, too, it's more of like a thing where it's like, oh, you're supposed to go, oh, that's a bitch from Torso. <laughs> like, I've seen her before. This is a that's legitimate pretty, film. Yeah. Right. That's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, that's how I do it. <clears throat> it takes me a while to catch their names. Yeah. Her name's not Sophia. It's Edwige. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, we have a um, another one here. Okay. Um, hope I'm not too late to answer your query. Uh, one Jallo that I used to hate, but now I really dig is the blood-stained shadow my first viewing i thought it was weak and terrible i gave it some time and checked it out again and ended up loving it it'll never make my top 10 or anything but it's one that i really enjoy and that is richard of the hello this is the doomed show nice thanks cool. richard i haven't seen that blood-stained shadow in quite a while i remember it being interesting i remember there was a priest involved um, and I remember it was a later entry, like a, like 77, I want to say, 78 maybe. Um, and I remember it being good, but I, I know kind of what he's talking about, where it was kind of like it needed you know, maybe more, more than one or two uh, viewings to really enjoy. But uh, I, I haven't seen it in a while, so I can't remember exactly what it was about. So I have not seen it. Have you seen it, Eric? No, I haven't seen that one. Ooh, that would be a fun one to dive knuckles first into, right? Right. I'm trying to remember um, what the other film that the Bloodstained Shadow director made, and I don't know off the top of my head, so I'm going to look it up. There you <laughs> that, go. That's what that internet stuff is all about. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to do that right now, too, for other stuff. Oh, Antonio Bido. Um, he had a, a movie called Watch Me When I Kill, which um, I also have not... I've never seen that at all. That came out in 77, Bloodstained Shadow, 78. So he's a late-to-the-gamer Jalo director. But, uh, yeah, no, Bloodstained Shadow, I remember being very good. I remember it being kind of like this is really good and then I, I recognized that it was three or four years after Deep Red had come out and I'm like well this is almost like uh, too much of a rehash of everything that's been done for the last nine years or so um, but that was the, my only criticism with it was that it really wasn't original but it was pretty stylish So I like that title <laughs> I'm going to come out and say it. it it would be interesting to do a later, later Jalo because I feel like we've been kind of dwelling in the 70, 71, 72 a lot. Um, well, we're not even to episode 10, so I mean... That's true. Yeah. <laughs> there's, um, 100, there's like 150 Jalo. So. I actually have been playing with some 80s stuff, yeah. and I don't like it as much. I'm, no. I'm going to come out and say it. And it, I think a lot of it is... And it might just be the look, but a lot of it just feels like like weird slasher movies 
you know like I watched um, what was I, I was watching it this morning actually uh, Stage Fright mm-hmm. and um, I was just it's it's a ridiculous movie like it was fun but it it doesn't have that look that makes me all like want to snuggle up you know it's more of a like you know the <clears throat> body count kind of movies when you just want to like like hurry up and fucking kill somebody make it go right. um but yeah but no um we definitely will delve into different years and stuff like not everything happened in 1971 i do know this but you know <laughs> a lot did though <laughs> no uh, i know what you mean though there's there's a certain look and i don't know that it could ever be recreated i mean i think it it has it, it's just this um this this uh kind of synergistic effect of the culture and the way that people decorated sets at the time and the way that the film stock just looked uh, in the seventies. And I don't think that, you know, that could ever really be recreated. I think maybe, you know, if you look at what Tarantino tried to do with death proof, with trying to recreate that grindhouse look, I mean, maybe somebody could, could make the effort to recreate a Jolly. But that defeats the purpose of it. I would think, right. Like just the whole reason why you, you, they were making these movies, putting that much into it. It would be hard to do without making it look like a parody. Almost. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. It would look like Black Dynamite. Yeah. Which is still <laughs> fucking awesome as shit. <laughs> um, but no, like even like New York Ripper is like pushing it for me. Oh really? You know. But... Yeah, and that and that's one I I I was going to bring up as um one that stands out for me is, is definitely a watchable 80s giallo i can watch that one uh, over and over again oh it's, for sure i don't know why it's, saw, so. it's really a repulsive film <laughs> um it's really not a nice film at all it's it's not it, it's no strip nude for your killer that's for sure um but i don't it's something about the theme of the musical theme of that one that gets stuck in your head the dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's a good one yeah so <laughs> Uh, and it's just so funny and I, I don't want to like sit on this but like as soon as that guy's out with his dog like on the side of like the fucking like harbor and it's all grody out there and he's like throwing a stick or whatever and the dog goes in the bushes you know something <laughs> that dog's coming back with something icky you know and he seems so shocked and so surprised and I was like come on man really like you didn't see that coming <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised a, hand, a, a, a severed hand was all he came back with. Well, it's funny. The first time I saw that, too, the dog comes back, and then it's like, freeze frame, t- uh, credits. I'm like, okay, that's the end of the movie, everybody. Everyone turn around and go home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Okay, so anyway, we have more people. Um, Dave Felter says, The House with the Laughing Windows, first time found it boring, draggy, now I think it's amazing, slow burn, psychological thriller, jello. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) The House with the Laughing Windows, yeah, I think that, I I think, I think he's right with that one. Um, Part of the reason why that movie 
takes a few watchings is because I don't think there's an English language version available. Uh, so you have to deal with the subtitles. Um, and it's not, it's a little, it's a little odd. It's, it's got some surrealist kind of qualities to it. And it has, um, a very rare twist ending, which you never see in, in a Jalo. Um, <laughs> Almost all the time, they find you know they catch their killer and and everything's resolved. And um, House with the Laughing Windows has a, a different kind of an ending. So uh, it's and it's, it's yeah, it takes a couple of watches simply because it's it's it, there's a few barriers to it, especially with the you know if you if you're not accustomed to um, watch you know reading subtitles and listening to Italian uh, language soundtrack, but. Um, that's a, a good one, and, and it brings me to uh, a memory. Actually, I think it was last year. There was a group uh, in New York City who did a festival. Um, I forget what they called it, uh, Jalo something, obviously. And believe it or not, uh, this art house cinema theater in uh, Greenwich Village, uh, in Manhattan, um, for I think ten days in a row, was screening either a double feature. Uh, or a triple feature if it was a Friday or Saturday night um, of all Jolly. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head um, what all the films were, and there were a few that they had repeated, but definitely Bird with the Crystal Plumage was done and Deep Red was done. Um, the Strange Vice of Mrs. Uh, Julie Ward or Mrs. Ward was in there. Yeah. Uh, Solange was in there. Um, yeah, what else? Um the uh, the house with the laughing windows was in there and and in talking with somebody who lived nearby and was able to come out and, and watch all of these uh, i think of a film student he said that most of them um were in italian so they were getting the actual films they weren't getting you know what, whatever whatever had been exported to the united states those those weren't the sources that they were getting so even a film like um i can't remember which one i think I think he said, what have you done to Solange was actually in Italian. So um, I was surprised by that, that uh, I would say the majority of the films, even the ones that we know very well as uh, for their English soundtracks were in uh, Italian. I think even Bird with the Crystal Plumage was in Italian. And honestly, <clears throat> for me, the especially when the dub is a little off and bad, that's when I get really excited like i don't know what it is like you would think that would start to annoy you or something like that but man when there's a bad dub i get so giddy <laughs> like i get so excited it's just oh so enjoyable for me you probably have the it's your reaction is probably the opposite of of most normal you know <laughs> american uh American oh, movie that's goes. horrible, man. As soon as, as soon as people that are like normal <laughs> conventional moviegoers see a dubbed film, they're just instantly turned off by it. And uh, my my wife is one of them. She's like, I don't know how you watch those movies. They're not even speaking at the same pace with the. But like, the... wasn't it? Isn't it true that like in Italy that was just how they made movies? Like they never recorded, um, like audio with the film like it even like their big budget italian movies they adr'd everything they dubbed everything right i don't even know in italian that was what i 
I'm almost. I'll, I'll check that and let you guys know. But I'm almost a hundred percent positive that that is yeah. how they would even film it in Italian. Right. But um, yeah, because when you when you switch it over to Italian, even sometimes it's a little bit off. Too, I've noticed. Uh, when I'm watching Giallo films, not for the show, so I don't really have to pay as much attention, and I'll turn on the subtitles or try to watch <clears> it as it's intended. I'll see the 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 uh, I guess sound of the voices coming at a different speed than the than the mouths are moving. Right, wow. and 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 also, you know, you do have a few actors uh, occasionally in these Jolly that are speaking English in you know when they recorded the film. Um, yep. And so when they're dubbed in over as Italian, it, it doesn't match anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. You get Germans and French and Italian and, and Americans all in the same film. It's pretty much you have no choice. Yep. Just make it quick. Um, okay, so next we have Mike Murphy. He says, "Torso." It took more than a second viewing for me to truly appreciate it. What was the name of that one? Torso. 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 <laughs> what, uh, wait, oh shit, what was the tagline on the trailer? You'll it be will... drenched in something. I don't fucking know. <laughs> that was like the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, I don't know. For me, Torso was one of the ones that like, I was like hooked while I was watching it. Yeah. Like, I was just into it. Um, but I yeah. think maybe the key word there is appreciate um, for him to truly appreciate everything that's going on in that film because yeah on the surface it looks like a kind of just a cheesy slash and stock movie but uh, there really is a lot of cool stuff happening in that film that might get lost upon yeah. maybe you might have to watch it a couple times yep oh what was it what was his fucking name in it um Oh god damn it! I fucking forgot it. Never mind. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm useless. Um, yeah, every time, every time when we even did the show, I'm like, every time I watch this movie, I think, what's his name did it? Every time, I'm like, oh yeah, it was him. It was him. It was him. Oh that. Ki- oh yeah, yeah. It yeah. starts with an S, like Salvatore or the guy with the scarf. St- yeah, Stefano. Stefano. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh my God, he's the the reddest herring of all herrings. <laughs> um, he's just dripping. But yeah, that's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. Um, David Patton said, "Don't torture a duckling." Um, thought it was a bit slow and rural and hot and weird. Now I absolutely love it because it's slow and rural and hot and weird. <laughs> Isn't it funny how the things we normally originally will like dislike about something is the reason why we end up liking it? Yeah. I've I've been That's down a... that one. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I think this was one of the first ones I saw when I was starting to check out Jello film, so it really caught me off guard because I had these expectations of what people told me these films are like. And I think that's a weird one to start with. Yeah, so I de- definitely see where David's coming from because, yeah, a lot of it takes place outside of the city and they're attacking children instead of beautiful bombshells. It's just a really strange, odd, weird movie. Well, and and if, you, if your exposure to that particular movie 
came at a time when it was first released on DVD. I remember too, um, you know, that I was a big Lucio Fulci fan from, you know, Gates of Hell and Beyond and Zombie and so on. And then they said, okay, Fulci's um, rare uh, Don't Torture a Duckling is coming out on DVD. And I said, well, it's Fulci and everybody says it's great, so I'm going to buy it. Um, and it's nothing like any of those zombie films at all. Um, and it's nothing like a traditional giallo either, even though it, it really, it, it's, it's an interesting film because it, it does use all of the normal giallo um, characteristics, but it's a completely unique film. So I could understand why anybody who watched that, like if you're thinking about the lineage of when these films became available to us in our generation, you know, with the advent of DVD, you know, everybody jumped on Don't Torture a Duckling because of all the, you know, whoever had seen it in the past said, oh, this is Fulci's best work. So, you know, if you're familiar with, um, you know, the 14 inch nail splinter into the eyeball from Zombie, you're like, okay, great. We're going to get some more of that stuff. And then um, not to say that uh, that Duckling isn't isn't gory, but it's just a completely different kind of movie. So. It, it, if you started, if you start watching Jolly and and with that film, I can understand why you might be a, a bit confused, but um, and, and and might you know have to return to that one to really uh, fully appreciate how good it is. That's for sure. So I'm with them on there. What about you guys? What were ones that you uh, walked away from hating? Well, uh, I can go first because my answer is pretty short. Um, but uh, needless to say, I felt felt some kinship with Alex when he sent in his message. Don't really have an answer. Um, a lot of these films that we're watching for the show and a lot of the films that uh, you guys are talking about are first-time watches for me. Um, there are definitely some that we've watched that I do want to go back to. Uh, not to spoil this episode, but uh, this might be one, The Fifth Chord, but also uh, The Case of the Bloody Iris um, how dare you I, it just, <laughs> I think it deserves an, I'm just saying I think it deserves another watch from it me does. because I didn't I didn't give it my full attention I didn't really um, give it the what it deserved no. for, especially for you creep so uh, ever since our celestial marriage you know like <laughs> right I just don't get it but, so yeah I'll have to have to check those out again but yeah I don't really otherwise have much of an answer for this one but uh, i'm sure chris has quite a few okay, put him on I'm the spot up, here i'm up to bat all <laughs> right so um uh, i'm getting ready for my creep raspberry um, <laughs> the one the one jolly that that comes to mind when i think of hated it at first and now love it is drum roll A Bay of Blood. Dun, dun, dun. I have no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll quickly tell you the story. When I was, when I was probably about somewhere between 13 and 15, the only thing that I really wanted to do was watch horror movies because I was too young to drive a car uh, or get stoned or okay. whatever else or rent porn exactly so um one of the things that got me into uh expanding my 
uh, Horizons Beyond Friday the 13th and Halloween and, and the American Slashers was this uh, little film called uh, Mad Ron's Previews from Hell. I don't know if you guys have yeah. ever seen that. And uh, my friend and I rented that and we were just watching it and just drooling over all of these films that we'd never heard of that looked amazing. Um, and Torso was in that list. And that's why Torso is a weird one for me because I connect Torso with an American slasher film, even though it's an Italian giallo, uh, because of the way that the American um, the American uh, distributors had 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 marketed it to make it look like it was a slasher film. Anyway, um, I think um, Twitch of the Death Nerve was on Mad Ron's previews from Hell, and and the the trailer is is really strange. It's just some some weird uh, Ritz Otolani or whatever the guy's name is that did the soundtrack. It's his music in the background, and some. It's like Stevio Capri. Yeah, there I'm you go. I'm the worst. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> That's spot on. Looks <laughs> better than what I said. I was off completely with the wrong guy. Um, and I think what they did was they took some scenes from the film and they they did some weird like negative. Um, you know, when, when you when you take all of the colors of the shot and you you invert them so that it looks like a film negative in color. Yeah. And they just. They just did that, and I'm, and I'm like, well, this is weird, this twitch of the death nerve thing. So I finally got uh, a chance to rent the VHS, I think maybe a couple of years later. And, um, you know, I didn't know anything about Giallo. I didn't really know very much about Italian horror films at all. And my friend and I watched probably the first 15 minutes of Bay of Blood, and we were like, this is the worst fucking film we have ever seen it doesn't there's nothing happening it's just a, 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 a countless shots of a bay and this woman in the wheelchair and the wheelchair wheel is spinning and um so i don't even think we finished watching it we turned it off and threw in like evil dead or pieces or whatever else we had rented um and then i think probably you know several years later i had another vhs copy but it was a bootleg from some some letterbox version and i watched it again and i still like i i understood how cool it was that you know this was a film that had kind of originated uh some of these like the 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 high body count slasher it's kind of like the grandfather of all that um and you know the scenes in the middle where you know the guy gets the machete in the face and then the the spear through the two bodies and all of that you know, the, all that midsection where there's all this action happening, I, I said, yeah, this is cool, but I really didn't pay attention to it um, beyond, you know, the, 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 the titillating aspect of, of the slasher part of it. Um, and it probably took me about, I don't know, four or five more viewings, and I finally got uh, a rip of the, um, the Blu-ray, and I watched it on a decent-sized TV, and um, I really... You know, it, it, one of the problems that I had with Twitch of the Death Nerve is that my copies had always had terrible sound. Um, so I had, I've, I'm, I'm always turning the volume up super loud to hear what they're saying. And then anytime there's some kind of a um, ambient noise or some kind of soundtrack thing happening, I have to turn it back down again and back and forth. But um, when, when, whoever put it out on Blu-ray, I don't know if it was Blue Underground or somebody else, but um, they, they corrected all that. So the the copy that's out there now it looks amazing and you can really 
appreciate you know what bava was trying to do with his camera um and and you can listen to the you know you can listen to the 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 dialogue you can hear what people are talking about and and you can try to follow the ridiculous plot it is a ridiculous plot um but you can kind of try to piece together and and to see how ridiculous it is because you're not even able to pay attention uh, the the fact that it is a ridiculous plot even gets lost on you. So uh, that's my long-winded answer. That's that's the first one well, that comes to, to mind. To be so. fair on that one, like being somebody who um, was watching the pristine uh, version of this movie, um, like I still had a hard time getting through it. And <laughs> every time, like, uh, Brunhilde gets her fucking throat slit, I was out like a light. I, I could stay awake up until that point. And you have oh, yeah. no idea how many times, like, I put that movie on and then woke up and the credits were on. And I was yep. like, you've got to be fucking kidding me, dude, again? <laughs> and it was, like, over and over again. And I would get up to that point. But um, what I will say about it is the score for that movie is amazing. And I think it's because I had replayed it so many times that that opening song <laughs> is, like, ingrained into me. It's like... Doot, Oh my god, dude! I fucking love that. the The music in that movie is just amazing. But yeah, dude, uh, I I always felt like it was like three movies uh, duct taped together, you know? Yep. Like, um, but yeah, but um, I did not hate that movie as much as I hated my pick. Eric, did you want to talk about Bay of Blood before I start? No, no, you guys pretty much covered it. I think, I think, uh, yeah, I think we covered that one pretty well earlier on in our series. Um, it was like, like you said, it was duct taped together. I thought it was scotch taped together. (laughs) You thought it was J and B taped together. Yeah, it just was. Yeah, not held together very well. And like we were saying, the middle part's fun, Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe there was some subliminal. (laughs) <laughs> some <laughs> subliminal messaging there telling creep to fall asleep oh dude it was so t- maybe the music was just so relaxing yeah and i fell asleep watching that film several times you know too, what it so is too good. it's like seeing the water and the yeah, water's like way, oh yeah. you're just like oh, okay i'm gonna go to sleep now makes you feel like you're back in the womb oh yeah that's exactly what it was like <laughs> no, I, I i know what you mean yeah well, the movie I absolutely detested, like a freaking crazy person, was um, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. I fucking thought that movie was so fucking stupid, and I was, like, so mad. And I, I think for me, it's because I, I didn't see that movie until probably about a year ago. And I had all these people telling me what a great movie it was. And, oh my gosh, it's so good. Argento, Argento, Argento. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh. And just like, <clears throat> like, oh, it's so much better than Tenebrae. Just like hearing all this stuff. You talk <clears throat> to weird people. I talk to freaking film nerds. Oh. Sorry, film nerds. Love you guys. You guys are all just great. Say a- they just sound really strange. Oh, dude, you should, you should hear them, dude. 
their their, their voices oh. are even weirder. Like, oh, oh my god, oh. this is so good. I love this so much. And their berets, yeah, smoking their long with their cigarettes. little tiny mustaches. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, so disgusting. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm actually 100% serious. But no, seriously, <clears throat> this movie like drove me up the wall. Like I'm like, and I we talked about this when we did it, but it was like. So this guy just happened to be there, and then for no fucking reason at all, they locked him in a in the glass. That's <laughs> bullshit. I call bullshit. And it was like I was so fucking mad, and I'm like, you got it. like that's the whole reason why this plot happened, and and now he's just gonna be like, yeah, okay, go ahead, um, yeah, you, you know, uh, you you solved the case. I'll I'll give you whatever you want. Uh, yeah, and I just like lost it. And um, be and, and again, it's that whole thing where I hold Argento to a higher standard than people who make strip nude for your killer. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm expecting this to like just gel and be amazing and all this other shit, and it wasn't. And um, but now going back and watching it, it's so much fun. And I spoofed it in my book. Um, you know, it's like it's it's so much fun now but like the first time i watched it <clears throat> i was really mad and um uh, zoe actually said um you need to calm the fuck down and you need to watch <laughs> that again before you Voice piss of everybody off and i'm like how dare you i'm like i'll piss everyone off if i feel like it um and she's like no it's really good you need to watch it <clears throat> and um yeah so i watched it again and um it got less every viewing see that's the thing about it every viewing got better for me but at the same time i always wanted to watch it again you know and that's one of those things because if there's a movie that's just really bad or a movie that you don't care about because like you always want to have an emotional reaction when you watch a movie you know and the people who make a movie will always want you to have an emotional reaction to it whether you love it or you absolutely hate it it caused a stir inside of you, blah, 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 blah. And as much as I hated that movie, I always wanted to watch it again. So. So the more that you watch it, is it, is it that, that you finding other things about it that allow you to, to put up with the parts that you don't like? Or is it that the part that you didn't like, you <clears throat> like, I don't think like honestly it what it was, was I had to take Argento off the pedestal I put him on. Right. And I had to just look at him as any other Italian sleaze director. And, and I don't, no one get upset that I use those words, but <laughs> like, you know, and because I'm the one person who, you know, a lot of people who like Argento are like, oh, Suspiria, Inferno, Phenomena. Like, I, I don't like, those are not my favorite movies of his at all. You know, like, I really, Tenebrae was always my favorite, you know? And, um, Suspiria is always kind of puts me to sleep a little bit. Inferno, I enjoy, and it's beautiful to look at, as long as I'm not paying attention to the plot. But when when I'm watching like a murder mystery, I expect there to be some semblance of a plot, you know, because that's all you have. <laughs> you know, it's not like making Inferno or something like that where everything's just like visuals and story can kind of suck a dick somewhere else, you know? <laughs> but um, as soon as I got over like 
the putting our gentle on a pedestal thing. Like that movie became really fun to watch. Yep, I I, I agree. Uh, it's it's definitely one that you can you can put it on, and after you've you've gotten over kind of discovering it and understanding it, you can throw it on, and it's just something fun to watch. Like you know, it it. You, all of the all of the parts of it that you enjoy that you are you know you're remembering hey this next part is coming up i can't wait to watch it you know uh that's the way i feel about bird it's something that you can just kind of throw on um you don't have to be paying too much attention to it if you don't want to it's it's a it's uh because it's visually stunning and um but if you do want to pay attention to it you can and and you know again of course you're going to find problems with it as in as with every giallo there's going to be problems if you look hard enough but um it, it's uh it, it's fun it's a fun movie it I is like fun it. so that was that eric do you want to make fun of me real quick no i like it okay <laughs> <laughs> is that all i do is make fun of you no but i mean you're you're kind of like the the voice of reason you're the one who talks me off the ledge most of the time you know like yeah orwin's always not around <laughs> yeah. You're the one, dude. You, you 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 keep me together, my friend. So I appreciate your that. You're my center. You complete me. Oh. Well, you had me at Chow energy. Chow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no, but uh, so <clears throat> um, one of the other things that um, we wanted to talk about, maybe. Um, so next week we're doing fifth court tonight next week we're doing um what have you done to solange and um but before that episode airs we need to have our picks for the voting on the facebook page for what the next episode will be so do you guys have your movies ready for that the correct answer is yes yes (laughs) ciao okay so let's um it all at once we'll go we'll say one two three and we'll all say the movie we pick no let's not do that um (laughs) okay so eric what is your um your uh candidate for the voting okay well i've been going back and forth on two but i think the one that's mostly piqued my interest is who saw her die Ooh! ah you bastard really That, that that was definitely one of the one of the ones on my list too. But go ahead. Yeah, I thought you were gonna yep. take take the other one that I had, so I, that's why I went with this one. But yeah, <laughs> I want to try out. I want to find out who saw her die. What was the other one on your list? Maybe I'll take that one. It was just the Blade of the Ripper. Ooh. Oh, is that um, Strange Vice of Miss Ward? Strange Vice, Vice of oh, Mrs. Okay. Ward. Yeah. yeah. That's the other uh, the other name for it. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so who saw her die? That's a good one. Uh, and Chris, what is your pick? I think I want to pick. Hmm, first of all, I'm going to pick one that's already been scored, so I don't have to do any work. Uh, <laughs> and I think I want to go with the wacky and wonderful Death Walks on High Heels. Ooh. We need another wacky one. That sounds sounds like fun. Oh, do we need another wacky one? Because I'm about to pop all of your guys' wacky cherries right now. <laughs> I pick a movie called 
eyeball. No. <laughs> and I will shock dun, all of you now dun, with that's dun, a fan favorite. Dun. I love this movie. <laughs> Now you don't even have to listen to the episode. I this movie is super fun. So, um, yeah, that's a good list, dude. I think people are going to have a hard time of voting, and that's what we all going to do. One more episode. Yep, and that's what we all want in an Italian democracy. You know. (laughs) So, ooh, that's really good. Um. So I'm excited. Okay, so um, after um, we do the show, I'll put that up on the Facebook group so people can start voting for what uh, the episode is so we could announce it on the Solange episode. Um, But no, so uh, the other thing for next episode, guys, um, what I want to do, and I talked to you guys a little bit about it, was um, putting together... um, a top 10 list of the first 10 movies we've done on the show and see, and I have a mathematical system in order to put them together and stuff. So it'll be all smart and awesome. So, um, if you guys could send me your lists in rank order, um, I can put that together. I will put it into the old computer, like in Friday the 13th part four in the back of the, station wagon (laughs) and um i'll let you guys know you dead fuck (laughs) oh yeah that's right i I haven't seen that movie in so long where's the computer oh yes i get it you know it's just like me going like this (laughs) which is stupid i have a fucking computer in front of me i could have pretended to type but no i yeah okay whatever so um and what i also um ask is for our listeners if you want to put the first 10 movies we've done together into a rating list we will also do a viewers um superific mathematical blah 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 list and it'll be fun so you have to already know uh what have you done to solange you know and put that in there too because that'll be on the 10th episode. But, so do your uh, homework. Yeah. <clears throat> so do it, damn it. And then the last thing, and this is something a lot of people, and I, when I say a lot, I mean like more than two, have asked us to do. Um, if you can name all of the movies that the songs are in our little intro that Mr. Phantom did for us, um, you will win something. Yeah, please remind me because I already forgot some of them. Oh, I know. There's only <laughs> there's only one I don't know. Ooh, it, the plot thickens over here, guys. Right. And you can't hold up your Shazam or whatever your your phone to figure it out either. Why That's did cheating. you even tell people they could do that? <laughs> that was a good hint. <laughs> That's a really good hint. And I'm kind of pissed off I didn't do that as soon as you sent that to me. I don't think it'll work. Have you tried it? No, I haven't. I don't know if Shazam's good on Giallo theme songs. I suppose it's worth a shot. So we'll figure out what the prize will be. But um, I'm assuming it will be prize-worthy, is my guess. Pictures of you in drag? Oh, Oh, they're out there. Oh, my gosh. You just reminded me of Pictures of You by The Cure. 
That was my jam in eighth grade, dude. Oh man. Oh yeah. But it was off of that on a lot of mixtapes. Um, just a couple. Um, and I wanted <laughs> girls to know that if they didn't like me, I was going to kill myself, and so they had to yeah. like me, or else, you know, because <clears throat> I, I play for keeps, which was another great movie with Molly Ringwald. Okay, let's move on. Okay, so, um, I, I, do you guys? Okay, here's the deal. Um, the fifth chord trailer is like fucking four minutes long, and there's no words in it. It's just <laughs> this like green and orange thing and it's like fifth chord but it doesn't say anything it's it just, just scrolls across <clears throat> the screen. yeah so um i might just like pull um a nice little thing that we can play right here oh good so we don't have to reenact the whole thing we're back (laughs) that was great whatever it was that was amazing stuff i enjoyed that immensely me too gosh it makes me want to watch the movie again makes me want to watch it for the first time okay okay at least the last 10 minutes damn you youtube Oh, dude, um, I got a purchased a um, three disc set off of Amazon from Blue Underground that had that um, the pajama girl case and forbidden photos. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Midnight was, movies or yeah, something. Yeah, dude. It was like 11 bucks. Yeah. Good deal. The pajama, the pajama girl case is a terrible film. <laughs> That's Did you watch it yet? Great. Did you watch it yet? No, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, it's really awful. Um, but it's based on a true story. Yeah, so there's a, there's a, there's a scene in the movie where they decide that the body of the dead girl that they found on the beach, they're going to put in a glass case and stick it in a public library or something and have everybody parade through to see if they could identify the body. It's the, it's the silliest, silliest movie I've ever so seen. So it's like Princess Die. Yeah. Didn't they and do then, a glass coffin with her? I don't know. That's, Maybe that was a Pope. Or I think it was Ronald Reagan. Or wait. Maybe it was like <laughs> someone in Star Wars. Yeah, probably. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? <laughs> <laughs> 
But the other bad thing of Pajama Girl Case is uh, the main theme song will make you want to take the DVD out and throw it out the window because it's really bad and it and it it's it's a vocal. It's like this woman singing kind of this bad bossa nova music. And uh, <laughs> I'm getting excited actually. And it's and it's it's it it grinds on your nerves and they they repeat the the song probably like ten or twelve times throughout the film. So get ready for that. But Forbidden Photos, that's a fantastic film. Yeah. So you got two out of three there, so you're in good shape. Yeah, for real I don't know. I, I think I want to stop the show right now and go watch Pajama Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Everything you're saying about it that's supposed to detract me from wanting to watch it, I'm like going, oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably love it. Your criteria are different than mine. so. <sighs> but, you know, I, I, I'm legitimate. It's okay. I have legit girls in glass cases. Yeah. Some of us don't. And Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and Ronald. <clears throat> okay. So, um, bringing it back to the fifth chord, Eric, why don't you take it? This was your pick. And, right. Um, tell us a little bit about the movie. Okay. Well, yes. Um, another request. Yes, we are listening to you all out there. We are listening to your feedback. We hear your voice. And uh, we're, we're not going to do the the minute-by-minute minute synopsis, I guess, that people, I guess, seem to not like. But instead, we're going to kind of break it up into chunks and then talk about it as we go along. And I hope that I don't miss out on anything, but uh, like I said, it was kind of a weird version that I saw on YouTube, missing some things, I think. It was only an hour and 20 minutes, so you guys might have to fill me in on some of the spots. Oh, you didn't see the end. I had to find. I found. You did ending. exactly what I did the first time. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> I found a different video of the ending, which was a much better quality. And then I, and then that ended too soon. And then I saw the, the killer's re, like the reveal and his last exposition as to why he did it, his motive. But that was all in Italian, so I had no idea what, oh why gosh. he did it. So. <laughs> But you know what? What I will say about doing that like that—that's the closest thing to running around the video stores to try to find stuff that yeah. is around anymore. Like when someone puts up a half a movie on YouTube and then you have to jigsaw the rest of the movie together with clips. <laughs> oh, it's kind of fun, but it's—it's it's kind of refreshing, right? Yeah, <laughs> brought me back. <laughs> okay. All right. Good stuff. So. Oh wait! The... Hang on! Hang on! Hang on. your sip i gotta pour it get, get your nip okay now i feel like franco nero <laughs> i hope you shaved your beard and all you have is the mustache oh my god if i only looked like him the siberian husky that he is that would be amazing <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm sorry continue all right uh, so are we talking about specs of the film the the people that are in it first maybe or the, just the, the plot itself? Just uh, let's do a synopsis. Okay. Tell the listeners what the hell the fifth chord even is. I'll try. Um, like I said, I, the plot itself, the movie's not known for its plot. It's known for the cinematography and the, all that fun stuff we'll probably talk about later. But uh, this one begins with the voice of a killer having these typical, methodical, you know, rational thoughts that a killer would have. Um... But really, actually, I think that was kind of odd that 
<laughs> someone would be sitting there wondering what it would be like to strangle someone and kill someone. But uh, that's our killer in this film. So, And then the, the credits kind of roll through as the, the killer uh, has this sort of fisheye lens on these different people attending this party and uh, people that will come to know by a first name basis, but that's about it. We don't know very much about them all, um, but there is the, what, the first. What did you think of the credit sequence? Not well, to like right away, just I knew to it was... derail you, but like that's fine. Yeah, I think it's good to to kind of chat about what's going on as we move through this. Right away, I knew it was an Ennio Morricone score. Uh, this was really the only music that I liked from the movie. Um, was this very beginning? So I, I liked the opening credits. I didn't really know what what the purpose of each person was or what they were doing there. But uh, once it was revealed what the what was going on in the film, that they were, it was kind of being knocked out one by one. Then it, I realized that was sort of this this party of people that all got together. It just it was um, <clears throat> it was kind of distracting because like when you as soon as the movie starts and you start seeing all these people at this place and they're all looking at one another and like, you know, like, Oh shit, this is really important. These are, this is the, this is the, this is the group, you know, but the credits are like as big as the fucking screen. Yeah. And it's like covering up so much stuff. And I was like trying to look through letters. I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like they're hiding. Why is there so such big titles right now? It was, I was, uh, it was just one of those things where I felt like the whole movie would be um, un, like unwound right there. Like you would be able to find everything. And honestly, to be fair, I think it's pretty obvious in that scene who the killer is, kind of thing. But then yeah. there's this fun little thing that happens later. But um, I don't know. Like and just like that cool like jellyfish tendril like dance floor like that was just a cool ass little thing you know what I'm saying like they're in yeah. this like little box with these like beads oh that was, you know, that I was feel pretty like, neat I feel like they wasted a lot of this really cool looking stuff on the credits we never get to see any of this stuff again I want to I want to be in the party I want to <laughs> party with these people except Frank Franco Nero he seems like a pretty <laughs> depressing guy to yeah drink with he's the wallflower <laughs> yeah he's fun to drink with as long as you're as long as you're pulling swigs off a J&B bottle while you're driving the car home right <laughs> that shot is so fucking cool <laughs> and as long as you're not his mistress yeah he, he's one of those typical Italian men a little handsy with the swing swing yeah. you know <laughs> a little <more laughs> A little too much slappy with that guy. <laughs> yeah, the the introduction uh, right away, you know, it's Franco Nero. Um, he's the man's man uh, from, or that will be infused in this film, which it's kind of interesting because I, f- I feel like we haven't got too many men's men in some of the more recent films we've done, so it's nice to get one here. Django. Right, the original Django. Django. <laughs> and I just found out he was in the, the recent one, Django yeah. Unchained. I didn't even know that. He's like, so what's your name? He's like, Django. And he's (laughs) like, ah. (laughs) Oh, Tarantino, you wink, wink. Right. 
So, uh, Django. That's fun to say, dude. Like, <laughs> good God. Should we just say that over and over instead of? I think we should all just do it once. One, two, three. Django. 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 Okay, there it is. There. <laughs> Makes you feel good. Makes you feel like you could mastermind a bad thing, you know. But anyway, so yeah, fifth chord, hit it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the the bulk of the the first third of this movie is sort of taken up by this uh, this attack that's done in this tunnel on a man named John Lubbock. He's hit in the head with a pipe, but he's not murdered because, uh, well, we don't really know if it's because of a certain reason or not, but uh, there's some witnesses on the scene, so this might scare the potential killer away. And uh, he's brought into the hospital. He's in shock. And uh, we also, of course, like I said, meet uh, Andrea, which is the character played by Franco Nero. And uh, he he's a, a journalist, a bit of a drunk. He a gets bit. Uh, <laughs> he gets uh, swept up in this investigation, uh, I guess, as part of his an assignment to to figure out this what happened during this attack in the tunnel. And uh, we also learn a bit, little bit more about him and his drunkenness uh, throughout the the first part of this film. There's something of a backstory between him and Helene who's uh, this divorcee who uh, has this sort of a torrential past with Andrea, uh, possibly due to the bottle, which I think is the point they're trying to get across here. Yeah. Yep. You know what? This movie, and I think... Okay, this is just a couple little bits. I stayed away from this movie for the longest time because when I saw the poster for it, I thought it was a Western. Because yes. you have, like, his big fucking mug... You know, and so I was just like, eh, whatever. And then the more you watch it, like, it has so many elements of a Western. Like, he's like such a, like, uh, not a lone ranger, you know, but like, just like a dude on his own, drinking. And it's just like, I always like, um, I want to sing like old country songs, you know, like, bury the bottle with me, you know, like, <laughs> full on, like, I don't know. So, like, I stayed away from this from for a long time because that's how I felt the movie was. I'm like, ah, I'm not gonna like that. I'm not gonna like that. But um, I'm kind of mad that I was away from it for so long because there were there was some cool shit in this movie. Yeah, and it's it's strange because the director Luigi Bazzoni, I didn't do too many films, but I think this might have been his only Giallo film. Uh, but he did do some spaghetti westerns before this one, and of course Franco Nero being involved in Italian Western films. So I can get where they, they might've had a hard time shaking that sort of, I think it was like, just like they were marketing him, right? Yeah. On the, on the poster. Yeah. Interestingly enough. And I did a little bit of research on this too. Um, the, uh, the director is again, his name is Bazzoni, right? Yeah. Um, he did a movie called uh, The Possessed, also known as The Lady in the Lake, uh, in I think 1960-something-something, 68 something, maybe. And I did, a, um, when I was reading various uh, reviews of The Fifth Chord, uh, it turns out that um, there's a term that I've never seen used before called a proto-giallo um, and people are kind of referring to these films from before 
the films that came before Blood and Black Lace or the films that came before Bird with the Crystal Plumage as Proto Giallo, um, because the, you know they were basically the grandfathers of that form and, and kind of the the films that led up to it. Um, and this film uh, that uh, that uh, that Bazzoni directed, uh, called The Possessed or The Lady in the Lake is um supposedly you know a, a precursor to the giallo form so um just a bit of trivia on that um i've never seen the film i have a copy of it uh it's in black and white um and it's in italian so it's not you know at the top of my list to watch but um, and he he also did footprints on the moon right yes and i haven't seen that either but it's it's high on my wish list to watch so yeah and from what i hear that's more of a straight horror film um, I don't hear hear it being lumped in with a lot of Giallo films, but I, I could be wrong about that one. I, I haven't seen that one either. But it sounds like kind of a space space case space horror film. So something else that happens in this in this first part of this film, um, and probably one of the more famous scenes in the film happens with uh, Sophia, who's the wife of this doctor. Uh, Dr. Beanie and uh, I guess they're friends with Andrea from the party and uh, she's she's kind of an invalid she she can't use her legs I don't know if it's she's actually paralyzed or if it's something that she's it's more of a temporary accident they don't really go into that's something I'm learning more and more with this film is there's there's not a lot of character development or backstory to a lot of them other than Andrea um, but she's She's having some trouble in the bed. She, her doctor, her husband is out, and uh, or he's he has to go out, and uh, their housekeeper is not there. He's on some vacation or he's away on some trip. They gave him the night off, I guess they said. So she's all alone, this poor invalid woman, and already she's getting paranoid and and fearsome as anyone would when they can't use their legs, and they're left alone in this large gothic-looking mansion with the ticking of a clock. And then uh, we get this blare of an organ, which I thought was yeah. pretty cool. Can we cool talk about that for a second? I mean, yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I, don't, I didn't even remember this from previous viewings. I don't know why, but um, it looks like she's got a remote control of some sort and pushes a button. And right at that moment, the organ music starts. And I'm still trying to figure out if that was... Um, supposed to be music that she had decided to turn on to listen to in in her world or if it was just part of the soundtrack um i couldn't figure that out did you guys notice that she looked like yeah, she had a remote I, control originally i thought that was like a thing to get people's attention downstairs or something like a nurse call button or something but it totally does seem like she was just turning on some music yeah, but it, it seems like very off-putting music to just be turning on. Yeah. <laughs> An odd choice, for sure. When you're already feeling a bit uneasy, then you get this creepy Phantom of the Opera. Oh, I'm not feeling very good. I'm kind of scared. I better put on this scary-ass fucking music. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like but the it, automatic pipe organ music that from Lizard and Woman's Skin that just happens to be oh, playing. Yeah. Right. It would have been worse though if she pushed the button and the inspector from Lizard and Woman's Skin started whistling. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we have to digress for a second. I was listening to last the last podcast, 
and you know obviously we all know that there was a very long uh, a, a, a pretty decent amount of time with me going through the scene by scene <laughs> and um it, there was a point where the soundtrack that that creep had piped in was the the whistling thing and it was just it was driving me absolutely insane <laughs> trying, trying to listen to the podcast and I'll, at the same time i'm hearing the the, the the whistling music and it was it was just wow I, it it's, was, <laughs> it was it was insane yeah we lost some subscribers last week so I'm like gonna, I, I I'm gonna guess that's yeah. why yeah, I can't, it, <laughs> yeah all right, I'm, not only do we have to put up with the play by play but we have to listen to the inspector whistling be- behind it at the same time that's what I'm talking about they're they're upset <laughs> at the inspector for disrespecting you Chris oh gosh <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, the thing about this scene um, that got me, uh, not got me, but this this scene where, uh, what what's her name? Benny? Like, what's the last name again? Sophia Benny. Beanie. Sophia Beanie. Yeah. This is actually a really good, like, suspenseful fucking scene, dude. Um, I think one of the things that makes it almost more suspenseful is the ugly ass gold carpet they have like tacked to the wall i was very irritated by that it gave you even more anxiety it was just disgusting i was just (laughs) and like i i have a theory behind some of this stuff but uh, it's just like when she's like she falls out of bed she crawls around she's trying to get her wheelchair and her wheelchair is like rolling away and she's like oh well let me scooch over here and go pick up the phone oh no the phone's gone let me scooch down the hall this way um like all of that shit was amazing and when she's leaning over the rail and the hands come out i fucking jumped like i was just like fucking shit and like the two things about this movie from just like um like a set design i guess kind of thing that i just geek out on is there are more staircases in this movie than I could ever remember any other movie having. And the lamps in this movie are sick. Like, even in a shitty fucking... What did, did I fuck you up there, buddy? No, I just realized I forgot to look at the lamps. I was looking at the wallpaper and the carpets and the dresses oh, this time. Dude. But then I totally forgot the lamps. If you go back, you will just really enjoy yourself. Because no matter how <laughs> shitty one of the sets are, there's always a fucking cool lamp. Yeah. Like, from the police department to his apartment to... Like, just everywhere they go, there are amazing lamps and wonderful staircases. And this staircase in this house, it's, like, kind of a spiral staircase with a landing into a straight staircase. It's just, like, ugh. It's it's just a, a staircase for everyone in this yeah. house right here. A lot of them are non-traditional staircases. Oh, my God, it's so cool. It's cool. And then, like, I mean, and then just to get horny over staircases some more like whenever there's a shot like when they're at uh where beanie works or whatever like out the window there'll be a spiral staircase like up the side of a building or if they're outside and the car's driving up you'll be able to see like two or three of them you know it's just like and in the beginning when they all another thing about this that i really liked is after everyone left the party it showed where everyone ended up 
which was really kind of cool. And um, the chick from uh, Five Dolls for an August Moon, I can't remember what her name is in this, and um, the guy that oh, she was married Isabel, uh, Isabel, Isabel Lancia. Yeah. When they're like at the hotel, there's this gorgeous red and black spiral staircase that they're yep. standing in front of. It's just like fucking hell, man. Like, and, it, and it's the same. It looks like it's almost the exact same size as the the silver one that's outside uh, in the, the parking office. garage. Yeah. Oh, dude. So again, like, even if you hate movies but love staircases and love lamps. You should watch this movie. That sounds like Can a pretty I... small demographic. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I hate movies. But I love staircases. <laughs> oh my god. You guys are both assholes. So okay. <clears throat> I, don't if you, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the you know, the buildings that have this the really tall spiral uh, the tall slender spiral staircases on the outside of the buildings. Yeah. Um that building i think was in black belly the tarantula as well and they used it Looks for like, it. like a ch- there was a chase scene where um where they hopped the where, fence and yeah and they ran all the way up the staircase and then ran back down the staircase i think that was in black belly the tarantula yeah. so that's where he yeah. says don't forget the catapult yeah he just stands there the whole time <laughs> he's not running <laughs> oh the catapult Oh, sorry. Um, but no, I mean, the the cinematography in this is fucking amazing. It's shot by the same guy that did Bird with the Crystal Plumage that went on to do fucking Apocalypse Now. And his yeah. name is um, Vittorio Storaro. Exactly. Storaro. He's, he's a multiple. <laughs> did I say that right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Storaro. Storaro. Yeah. I think, I think I read that, yeah, he won. Well, he won the Oscar for Apocalypse Now, then he won it for a couple more movies in the 80s. And, uh, he yeah, he's Dick considered Tracy. one of the, yeah. one of the top 10, uh, he's considered one of the top 10 most influential cinematographers of all time. I, or, yeah. He made time. this movie just amazing. With one thing that I will be a little annoyed with is that the day for night stuff they did in this was just too bright. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with, the prints of the movie now because I'm sure when this might have originally came out and then even when it did like a TV or a video run if that was ever something they were looking into um, I'm sure the nighttime stuff that was supposed to be nighttime looks a lot darker but like when um, I don't know I can't remember his name uh, the guy who ends up getting attacked in the tunnel when he's walking down the road right there and the chick and the dude in the white jacket are making out that's supposed to be like the middle of the night and it looks like fucking yeah. three o'clock in the morning. afternoon yeah, you know like but like a cloudy uh, day yeah and um just the day for night is kind of shit on this but that yeah. tunnel scene is fucking gorgeous dude it is it, it really sets you up for what will be a lot of nice uh, nice photography in this film. Hell yeah, dude. And that was something I heard a lot about going into it, uh, which is the reason why I picked it for the poll the last time, because I really wanted to see... Um, obviously, I like I like the sleazy Jalos too, but uh, I, I wanted to see this one for the cinematography I heard all about, and 
yeah, right away with that tunnel shot, you get that. And then I was really trying to watch this through the, with a different sort of uh, eye, I guess, knowing that a lot of it was going to be symbolic. And so, yeah, talking about the, when Sophia's in the, that bedroom all alone and the wheelchair is rolling away and it seems like she's almost crawling uphill. Like it's a struggle for her, the way that the, that the camera's framed. Yep. Um, and then the phone, yeah, the phone disappears. So it's like the, there's this killer playing a game with her. All her means of escaping are are disappearing. She needs to escape from that shitty ass fucking wall hanging fucking drape shit. <laughs> I think that's why she was playing the organ. Oh my god! Get me out of here. The the marble floor was kind of cool. It was like a jade with marble kind of thing. It was pretty sick. But good lord. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> but no, dude. And that's um, the girl from Black Billy, the tarantula, who's like, I can't possibly talk to you now. I'm so upset. Could you please <laughs> come back tomorrow? Yeah, the very serious She's scary one. looking, dude. You know what yeah. it was? She reminded me of the girl from Pet Cemetery with uh, Zelda? Yes! Oh, and like man. the whole right. time when she was in the bed, I was like, "Oh God, Rachel, I'm not gonna be able to handle this very well." <laughs> like, <laughs> quick, quick, look at the floor, marble, jade, uh, oh, okay, gold curtain, shit. Um, yeah, I just was not doing okay because seriously, that Zelda chick fucking fucked me up as a wee lad. Yeah, like I can yeah. still see that shot where she's like coming right at the camera. And she's like, her back's all twisted. Yeah. Yeah. Never sleep again. She fucking looks like her, dude. I was just horrified. It was kind of scary. She's also in um, Seven Bloodstained Orchids, and she plays a crazy person. So uh, it's good casting for that one. So. So. So, yes, this is the first true murder of the film now because our first victim was just uh just attacked and put into shock so so we lose our first person from that party and that fall down the stairs was fucking rad right that looked like it hurt yeah i wonder if she did it herself i i could see rosella all doing that herself. she's like yeah my leg's fucked up anyway let's just get it over with (laughs) yeah pretty tension heavy scene um, which we'll get a lot in this film, not not gory in any way, uh, but but definitely uh, built up with a lot of different um, with with attention. One thing so, that um, we skipped here, which is probably good, but I'm going to bring it up because I'm a douchebag, was um, Franco Nero waking up all hungover and shit with some super hot blonde in his fucking apartment, and he has the fucking gentlemanly quality to get up and go brush his teeth before mouth raping her with his face (laughs) like I don't know if you guys noticed but Franco Nero is the most passionate kisser (laughs) the face of the earth (laughs) like he exfoliates the women that he rubs his stubble on he's gotta get his mouth out from underneath that mustache But dude, he like totally brushed his teeth. He's like, yeah, okay, I'm gonna make sure my breath doesn't smell like hell's toilet, and then I'm gonna freaking just stick my whole head in your mouth. So, <laughs> props to him. Good job, buddy. Right. <laughs> yes, the uh, young mistress Lou 
another another character, another woman who we don't know too much about, um, but he's been Apparently sleeping with her, and then he either, right? Yeah, what, yeah, exactly. He finds out later on more about her life after beating her to a pulp. But uh, yeah, he's also got Helene in his life, um, or from his past life, and she's got a kid now. And, uh, and let's talk about over. her house. Her house is amazing. With the fireplace. Oh my gosh. I'm I, I, I'm on the fence with her place. Really? Because it's it's super cool and it has that awesome like center of the room fireplace. You know what I'm saying? But I I Sylvia Monty, she was uh the girl in um Lizard and Woman's skin from last time who was just in some chick's house and banging her husband for no fucking reason at all. But um, in this movie, her character is, it kind of starts off kind of ambiguous and it gets weird. But the thing about her, like in this scene where he's there at her place, her outfit is so horrific. Like, why would you put a woman like that in that fucking getup? And I understand she's like kind of like a mom and all that shit. But this is so weird because, like, they're, like, super angry with one another. And then they're, like, ready to fucking, like, box. And then it cuts to him, like, laying on the floor and her upstairs just like, Oh, hi! Yeah, so let's talk. And it was just weird. But her house is super cool. I don't know. I don't know what it is. There, it's some, there, it's, it felt kind of like the Brady Bunch house. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can of, see that. It was a just lot of high shelves and stuff. It was just really sixties. Yeah. You know, like not like mod sixties, but like this is what an upper class person in the sixties would have kind of thing. It was just it was it was it was kinda of weird. But like later in the movie as you see, like she has like I can't remember what the name of the company was, but I used to see commercials for it all the time when I was a kid. Just push this button and these walls will come down over your windows. It's easy. You know, like, um, all that noise. But let me ask, okay, we could kind of kill a little bit of the movie now. Is Tony his son? I don't think so. Yeah, it sounds I like think... she's she's just got out of a marriage to someone else. Yeah, she's 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 going through a divorce, and Tony is the the product of that uh, relationship. I think that's what I got out of it. I, I feel like it was that's what you were supposed to think until you find out that um, yeah, it's a little cloudy when, when the like oh uh, someone he loves is gonna get killed or whatever, uh-huh. you know, like when the, the whole Aquarius. Or Aries, when all the Aries shit comes into it. And he's like, oh no, an Aries. And he knew exactly who to go protect. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just had this feeling like, ooh, is that his kid? Spoiler. So um, I don't know if it that'd is be, or not. That'd be a good way to, or a good reason to go back and watch it with that perspective, possibly. And just see maybe his, the way he looks at her when she talks about him or something like that. I just think Sylvia Monty has one of the most beautiful heads in any of these movies. She does. She She's has underused, great, fortunately, from chin to hair. The rest yeah. of her is kind of weird, but um, <laughs> if we were collecting heads, 
she would be like first on my list, dude. So, first year of the witch and return to Oz, or the headless horseman from Sleepy oh. Hollow. You know, like her hair color to her skin tone to her eyes, like it's just so complimentary. I don't yeah. know. It's just she's got a great head. I agree. I am not a serial killer. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> Is that why you didn't turn on your Skype video tonight? You got a collection of heads behind you? Oh, I will Skype the shit video out of this right now if you guys oh. want. If you guys want to see what it's like. No, but seriously, she's got a great head. <laughs> she does. Horrible right. outfit. Nice boots. Let's move on. <laughs> so after we get done talking to the nice head of Helene, uh, Andrea's in the thick of it all. Uh, they, Just where he likes it. Yep. Yeah talking to the police inspector so we do get one in this film and uh, we find out that he, although he has the memory of an elephant, he can't remember a damn thing because he's always drunk so he <laughs> he doesn't have an alibi for this uh, a common thread we'll see throughout the so film he's so cool about it, he's like yeah. yeah I have nothing, so what else yeah. is going on <laughs> he's not going to cook anything up either I don't have an alibi if that's what you mean <laughs> <laughs> wow that sounds perfect you could dub spot on dude spot on (laughs) but uh he he also knows that the the front door to the doctor's house uh, is never locked so he's he's kind of getting the kind of painting a bad picture of himself by coming up with all these different things for the inspector and telling him about all the stuff he knows about them and how close he is with them and how the how he was the last one of the last people to see sophia uh, before she died but if you back off, I will find your killer. Yes. <laughs> he, he wants to do the inspecting himself. And uh, they, they bring up a pretty interesting clue here. So we do get a glove in this film. But this glove has the fingers, or has the, one of the fingers cut out with only four more left. And right away, they already deduce uh, that that means that the killer is out to find four more victims. I thought when he first said that, he's like, that means there's already been four other murders. And I was like, that's a jump. <laughs> I'm like, do you have other murders with gloves? So, so he sews fingers on? <laughs> I was so confused for a minute. <laughs> uh, so I'm guessing that this is where the, the title of the film comes in to play. Um, they'd never really like other films they kind of bring it up and make it sort of obvious but this one it's it's like all right we know that the killer's possibly out to kill five people with that last one or that last one being the last cord um i don't know well the the book was the book was originally called the fifth cord right yes dm divine book and um when they were making it it was being made under the title black days of the aries right i think yeah yeah so um it kind of skipped black, a lot of black, plot black day for the ram black, black day, day for the ram, ram. yeah that sounds hot oh because the ram is the sign of aries that's right right and it's an animal it is yep. and you like animals so well, no but that was like kind of a fun thing and yeah the yeah they did mention that. yeah Anyhow. Anywho. So here we get to the scene now. Andrea goes back to Lou, his uh, mistress, or, or something. She's something. 
We don't quite know. She's but... the piece of ass he has at his place. Yeah, the beautiful blonde you must be earlier. really hard being him. <laughs> I, I I mean I would be an alcoholic too if that's what I had to come home to. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah, she has a penis. Maybe. So. Okay. I was gonna say maybe he's remorseful over how he treats these women, but. I think I he think misses guy... his son that we're not supposed to think is his son, which might not even be his. That's right. Maybe maybe there's more to Franco Nero than meets the eye. Eh. No? Okay. So, yeah, maybe the fact that he just comes home and beats and slaps her across the face. Yeah, because, dude. Uh, he, he, he asked her one question about uh, seeing her or her being near a red car. And uh, without any follow-up questions, he just... Did a nice backhand, I think. Oh yeah. Maybe it was a forehand, but either way, it knocked her he silly. Face. Yeah. <laughs> Drew some blood, and then, uh, then he he feels a little foolish. Shortly after this, when she tells him that it was her brother's car, that he's a was he a Formula One racer, or maybe just a regular race car driver. Makes sense. And uh, <laughs> and uh, so he he decides that he's going to go track down this brother to get more information from him after he rolls around in the sack with Lou. So she's quick to forgive him. And what's awesome is he leaves and he comes back and she's, and this is from the poster, she's like on the bed with her head hanging off of it and her throat looks like it's slit and all this shit. And he's like, oh no, bitch is dead. Oh. And he goes up to her and then she's like, ha 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 and then they like chase each other around the house for five minutes throwing pillows at one another before yeah. and I'm like wow that's your life seems amazing like why is why are you drunk <laughs> and then he wakes up and there's a note like hey I took your money feel free to fuck whoever you want um, uh-huh. I'm out <laughs> by the way that beating me in the face kind of pissed me off I'm out of here <laughs> right you just can't get enough of that smooth taste of J&B. I think that's it. I, I agree. Yeah. You're living vicariously through them right now. <laughs> yeah, I smacked myself and then I, yeah. So, um... <laughs> you yourself around the room. A little bit. But I'm I'm the only one who could catch me, so it, it ends really <laughs> quick. So yeah, so he, he goes off and questions the brother, who uh, is kind of an interesting character himself. He's a little standoffish, a little defensive with all these questions, but I guess it's pretty understandable when you're getting uh, yelled in the face by a man with a big mustache. So uh, after, like yeah, after, <laughs> after Andrea gets, uh, doesn't get much out of him, he leaves. And then uh, the brother makes a mysterious phone call, and he apparently knows Dr. Beanie pretty well. So the the ties are coming together. The knots are tightening. Oh, yeah. And then, and th- then he follows them to a fucking opium orgy. Or a, yes. Which is hot. Let's just say it. <laughs> um, yeah, that... And it has everyone who's, like, involved. And even the fucking chick who does the horoscopes at the paper like what the fuck is she doing there I don't know I did notice her there that's right I noticed that so everyone's in on it 
And then what else? What also is great is when he comes back to his house finally, and he sees um, his blonde beauty in the black wig, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm out. I'm getting married." And uh-huh. see, the thing here is, like, when you watch this movie, you feel like all of this is happening, like the next day and then the next day and then the next day but then towards the end of the movie you find out that the party was on new year's and we're already at the end of may you know like a bunch of time has passed but you don't really see it in the film so it's kind of weird and when he starts noticing that all the murders are happening on a tuesday and all the people who are being killed are aries and all this other shit it gets kind of um weird because I'm like wow that is quick that chick got remarried or she's getting married um homeboy is already out of his fucking cast that was like one of the big plot holes for me originally I was like what yeah yeah I'm glad you bring that up because this is definitely the the exact point in the film where I really started to lose it lose um lose I guess it started to lose it for me um I just it was it was a nice build up to this I guess we're more or less at the halfway point here and after this it just unravels so quickly I had no idea people were coming and going there's a prostitute here another prostitute there people having sex out in the woods here who I didn't really know um and yeah the the passing of time wasn't clear so that was part of it too and what about fucking the killer going to kill someone then he just has a heart attack yeah, like, that's another if thing. you're if you're a killer, aren't you gonna be a little pissed? Right. Like, I, and then the fact that he's like, "Yeah, I'll leave a glove here anyway." Eh, yeah. Eh, whatever. I I kind of did it. Like, yep. if I were him, I would get a couple good stabs in there. Because if he's, you know, eh, you know, whatever. But then, as plot shows, it doesn't really matter. But yeah. Um. But yeah, is, that was is, weird. Can you count that as one finger off the glove? I don't know. He fucking did. That's kind of cheating, yeah. Mr. Killer. I made his heart not work. Yeah. I guess, <laughs> right. I guess hey, that's an unorthodox scared, way to do it. Scared him yeah. to death. Yeah. That's true. So, uh, Andre well, the, is also the, getting a little... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, the body count uh, is, is still higher than three anyway, and they don't... Uh, the killer did not get a score for black gloves because he didn't actually wear them. Yeah. Right. He, he wore the uh, flesh-colored ones, so... Now, I think the, for me, the most, like, frightening scene is when uh, the mom is in another country or something, and the kid's home by himself for some fucking reason, because somebody called and said to meet me at the airport, so they left the kid home alone, because that's what you do in Italy in 1971, and, um... The killer's inside the house with the kid and the phone and the mom can hear all this shit going on. Fuck! That was just like too much. And then when the kid's down the hallway and all you see are the hands coming out of the darkness at him, dude. Holy shit. Yeah, Yeah, that was was a pretty disturbing um, sequence, I think. And that's, Eric did not have that in his YouTube cut. I was no. just gonna say, <laughs> and that's like seriously one of the best parts of the movie. It, like know. it, it was just, oh, yeah. After I watched well, yeah, it, I had to race to the internet and type in what the hell just happened. What did I miss? <laughs> and it just sounds like I missed a whole torrential downpour of just 
just this crazy ending. Well, it was just like it started to take off. Yeah, you know, it did. Yeah, that was right when she picked up the phone at the airport is when it all. That's when I when started. Shut off. I felt like I was watching the last episode of The Sopranos. I got super <laughs> fucking mad. It just stops, yep. and I was like, "What?" Um, but yeah, I was pissed. But that scene is just fucking killer, dude. Yeah, like this. This film definitely knows how to build the tension. Even going back to when the that man who died of the heart attack. I think he was the editor of the paper. Yeah, uh, that that Andrea worked at Traversi, and they got in an argument because Traversi wanted to take him off the assignment because he was, he was a suspect. Too many fingers were pointing in his direction. And uh, Andrea, of course, didn't like this. They got in a big argument, and I think he even said that he wanted to kill him at one point. He, he did. wanted to kill Traversi. He's like, I'll so, kill you! <laughs> so that's not something you want to say when you're a suspect. But And what's rad about that scene, too, is that the whole scene was shot through the blinds from like yeah. everyone watching from like outside and there's a lot of scenes like that because even when they're in the like opium den it was all shot like through the windows of his like him looking in and everything was kind of obscured and i think a lot um yeah i don't know well i'll I'll get into that a little bit more in a bit yeah well yeah a lot of what i hear about this film is there's a lot of uh geometric uh, catching a lot of geometric shapes and things like that in the camera and talking about staircases again a lot of those bars that you get in the staircases sort of imprisoning these people um especially andrea who's the suspect and uh different things like that so yeah really cool cool photography in this all the way throughout this film did you think um here's the next spoiler the the kid the kid makes it but um I thought for sure, I'm like, dude, if they kill that kid, I'm turning this fucking movie off. I'm like, <laughs> I am not going to fucking sit here and just watch them kill this kid right now. Um, Chris, were you freaking balls on that? I'm trying to remember. Well, I mean, you know, I I knew that they weren't going to, but I think uh, if I remember correctly, like the first time I watched it, I was I was pretty put off by... Um, the fact that this little kid was getting terrorized, um, but I kind of, I kind of expected um, that, that he'd get saved because knowing how, knowing how far along we were into the the film and that you know you're probably going to be, you know it was probably within the last ten minutes, so you know you're the killer was probably going to get stopped, you know it wasn't going to be another hey someone's killed got murdered and the police have to come and check out the body and and figure out what happened so well you had the uh, whole thing too where fucking uh andrea figured it out with that whole like cool scene where he's in the newsroom and he has all these desks with certain newspapers open so he could walk around freely and read one (laughs) article at a time (laughs) right oh my god hey man no internet back then and the only the only person that he mentions uh, with a birth date is um, what's his name? Um, what's uh, John Lubbock? So he John Lubbock is the first one on the list, and you know it's uh, his attack was on a Monday, but then he also mentions born March twenty third. Um, so if you are paying enough attention. 
to what he finds out about Tuesday and what you know that what that means for the horoscope and astrology and Mars and everything then you know that um, March 23rd is within the Aries uh, range of dates and you know he doesn't mention when, when he's when the voiceover comes and he's rattling through all of the victims um, and the, how they were all attacked and killed on Tuesday um, he doesn't mention anybody's birth date except for John Lovick so um, you know, there, there, was a, there was a clue right there obviously that you know they were going to point to it but uh, yeah, that was a that was a cool scene. I like that one. And then Andrea grabs the dude down the little scary hallway. How he got into the house with all the security doors down, I don't know, but we're not going to argue it. I'm um, sure he has got to have a key. He's gotta. He grabs the dude. The dude fucking sticks him, and they start this chase. And when they get to this like abandoned mill kind of thing. This is like one of the best like chase scenes I've ever seen in one of these movies. Yeah, like yeah, this is... I, I have that exact comment. It's uh, that I've written down. The probably the best of the final confrontation scenes of any of the Jalos I've ever seen. You know, and it it's partly because it was really well photographed and and the set was was done well, but also because you know Nero is an, a freaking action hero, so you know he's he's gonna he's gonna bring it. Uh, in in this last confrontation for oh sure. yeah that was great <laughs> it was so fucking good dude and um and the first time i saw this again was off of youtube shit so when he kicks the killer off the top and impales him or whatever i'm like oh he's dead because that's where my clip ended uh-huh. so i didn't see the ending ending and when he when i watched the movie like in its entirety and I saw the killer in handcuffs I was like bull fucking shit dude I was so <laughs> fucking pissed I was like what and then like they're like oh yeah you know he was supposed to get the cast off months ago and you know kept it on you know to make sure no one knew or whatever I was just like oh okay um, so what did you think of the motive I don't know what it is Okay, the motive was he wasn't <laughs> in love with Isabel. He was in love with her bow. Okay. And yeah, I, he, I read something about he was he wanted to kill one person, but he wanted in order to get away with it, he had to make it look like someone was a serial killer and was attached to a bunch of other people that were getting murdered. Yeah, but see, that's where his plot or his idea sucks because you don't kill a bunch of people who know each other if you want it to seem like random you kill a bunch of people who don't know each other but then it seemed like because beanie ended up inheriting a bunch of money because his wife died and then somebody inherited the newspaper or something like that off of one of the murders or something like that so i felt like all of the people who were like at the like opium den like i felt like they were all in on it or something Oh like, yeah, like I don't like it was sect. all, like it was all like put together so everyone could yeah. get something. Chris, did you have that, or am I reading way too much into this? No, I think you know, I think it's partly for convenience. Um, you know, it doesn't seem to me like there are too many c- 
characters or people outside of this inner circle in the movie at all. It seems like the entire world is made up of this group of people. Um, and so, you know, in order for in order for this kind of plot to work the way it worked and to have lots of different suspects and to have, you know, instead of having obviously bad red herrings, you have a whole bunch of people who are kind of intertwined in, you know, in sex games and in, you know, um, what's going on in the newspaper, what's going on at the, you know, wherever, wherever it is that, that Dr. Beanie uh, works, what relationship is that to um, John Lubbock, who's from Australia, and he teaches something, and the French guy teaches something, and Helene also knows these guys, and it's because she works with them, you know, so, like, I don't even, I, I really didn't understand what the professional relationship was, uh, how they were all linked together, but I think it was kind of just as a matter of convenience well, to Beanie, kind of... Was Beanie Payne the brother, the race car guy, was he paying him to throw races? Is that what he said? <clears throat> There was some mention of blackmail, um, but I don't. I didn't really catch what it was. Like when 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 uh, when uh, Andrea Build is 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 um, is questioning uh, Walter and and smacking him around and talking about how he's like you weren't you weren't just being paid by Doctor Beanie for sexual you know sexual. Uh, favors but uh something about blackmail but i didn't i didn't really catch that i didn't really understand what's going on because they talked so fast in that scene and and nero has a terrible accent so oh really my god have to, have to really pay attention to what they're talking about he has an accent that sounds like someone that i've done a couple movies with and if you know what i'm talking about you'll know but i'm not going to say any names but it's kind of difficult sometimes um now he said um the guy who attacked the australian guy was someone's father yeah the the prostitute so and and that's the dude that lived across the hall from her who got yeah watching her screw in the woods yeah but that was her that was her dad you know she lives with her father so Okay. Um, when 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 uh, when Bill goes over the very first time and she doesn't let him in the door, um, yeah. he poke the, the old man pokes his head out and then um, later on he's he's spying on her um, when she's over by the campfire um, under the bridge and then and then she gets killed um, and and I you know he's he's involved and so they originally arrested him but then you know the proof was well he hasn't been in town for all these murders because he he works he drives trucks that's right right okay and then you know and then well well how come he was uh how come he was here when when uh what was her name i think it was julia was killed and it was like well there's a there's a strike you know at the at the place where he works makes sense how convenient yeah no like and this is where i think a lot of people give this movie a ton of shit because like there were so many like red herrings and so many like almost and what ifs and all this stuff but it all happened within like 15 minutes of each other in the film you know that it gets super fucking confusing yeah it's pretty awful 
Especially when your YouTube video won't let you watch the ending. To clear it all up. I, I always look for that. I'm like, alright, I'm confused. But at least I have the ending to tie it all together. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and that didn't that. even work. So he, he was in love with the dude. The killer was in love with the dude. And went through all this trouble just to... Which, again, that makes sense to me. Oh, that's why he didn't really care that that guy had a heart attack. Because he just needed to make it look like it. Uh-huh. Because the chick and the... And that's what's weird, too. Because the the murder that we don't see anything of, which is the murder of Isabel in the bathtub, is the one that's the only one that matters. Right. Which I think it... it for me, it kind of misses something there. When that was the whole driving force behind this whole thing. And we don't even see it. I think that's to throw off the viewer that, you know... I I mean, that's expecting the viewer is fucking a genius and could figure all this out already. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Well, maybe it's more about when you think back towards it and you're having... You know, you're having this thought now, and then maybe that was the intention. That it was like, well, how come they didn't really do a lot of fanfare with the murder of, of Isabella? Um, because she was really the one that was the important one. But uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. But um, I wonder if it was done on purpose or if it was just like, okay, we're going to have a bathtub murder. Um, <laughs> I just because, need to see some wet the, nipples. Let's let's right. make this happen. Yeah, my my notes actually say Isabel is killed. Who is Isabel? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because you you see her at the beginning of the movie, and then you don't see her again until the funeral, right? And she's like, "Come talk to me tonight, doll," and then takes off. Well, I didn't I didn't notice, and I did like how there are a few times when Bill is mentioning certain characters, or that certain characters come up in discussion, and then they flash to that person's picture, either from yeah, the which was know, from, helpful, yeah. I thought that was, uh, and I've seen that done a few other times when it was like a, you know, just in case you forgot who this person is, here's here's their picture again. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So, um, all in all, um, some of the things about this that kind of stuck out to me, and I think this has to do with um, Storaro's cinematography is, um. Like, I like my fun jally. I like super fun kind of stuff. And in both Bird with the Crystal Plumage and this, um, you get more of the dilapidated Italy. You get more of the um, the buildings that are in shambles kind of and kind of peasanty kind of feel. Like when... Uh, Andrea's walking with um, the guy from The Killer, I guess. I don't know. I can't remember what his name is. Um, and they're walking through that field, and there's, like, the kids playing soccer, you know, in the dirt. You know? It's like everything has this kind of feel of decay, you know? And when you see a lot of the shots of, like, the landscapes of the city, you see a lot of, like, cranes like that are like building more stuff and one of the things that i think is really weird because even in bird with the crystal plumage the building that um uh susie and um tony 
I, I don't remember their character names, but the building they live in is like this old dilapidated shit fucking thing. Whereas in all these other Jali, it's all like super high class and like fancy this and fancy that. But in these two movies that were both shot by this guy, like there's a lot of this distress in the city. There's a lot of this crap. And in both Bird and this, whenever he sees, the main character sees something fancy and sees something amazing, it's like shrouded in murder or evil or so, like him getting locked in the glass case in Bird, you know, and seeing right. the girl get stabbed. And then with this, like when he peers through the blinds to the opium den and that's all vibrant and fun and crazy you know he's an outsider looking in and when his the chick that he was banging at his house when she like dons a cute little black wig and cool glasses and an awesome coat she's there to tell him she's leaving you know it's not like hey i'm your chick still it's like yeah i'm out so And it's this, it almost has this, and I, and I don't want to take anything away from Argento or um, the director of this movie, but it seems like a lot of the, the fact that both of these movies kind of had the same feel and the cinematographer was the same for both. It felt like there's this reluctance of the new Italy, if that makes any sense, like where it feels like people are forgetting the old and people are getting left behind and the people in the in the new Italy are more their morals are more corrupt and it's just like I had this I don't know that was like what I got out of this if that makes any sense there it is that that was that was me being thoughtful I kind of have almost the same notes I thought it was kind of like um you've got this interesting juxtaposition you know most of the interiors um in the movie <clears throat> except for when they went to um when they went to uh julia's uh place uh most of the interiors are are ritzy and most of the people you know that are main characters they're dealing with you know problems of, of, you know, of, of upper class, of, of new generation type people, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the doctor and professors and all the problems that, you know, are going on with these people in, in, in an interior and internal sense. And then every time they're outside, um, or doing something externally, you know, they, they always bring in these kind of, um, cityscapes and these landscapes of bombed out areas and, and things under construction. So I thought it was, you know, I thought that was probably done on purpose to kind of do like a contrasting, you know, visual themes between, um, between what's going on internally and what was going on externally in the film. So I think I have the same kind of notes. And uh, like I, with the doctor too, it's like the doctor and the, or the beanie residence or whatever. It's like old money, you know, it's like, this is an old building. This is an old room. Like everything looks ancient and they're in the midst of something sinister, let's say. And then like when you have um, like the, the uh, hooker girl, like, yeah, she's living in a shit fucking a place because she's 
a shit fucking prostitute kind of thing. But then his ex, uh, Sylvia Monty's character, it's like he's on the outside looking in on it because she won't let him back into her life or whatever. And her shit is all like more upscale, like modern, I guess is what it just feels like Franco Nero's character is stuck in this world of old Italy. Right. You know, and he can't get out of it until I guess the very end. I don't know if that was something that was like intended or anything like that, but that was just that. Did, did either of you guys, well, I could obviously Eric didn't notice, but did uh, creep. Did you notice that t- towards the very end, um, they listened to the very last bit of tape that John uh, Lubbock is that his name? Yeah. That he that he recorded and it had it said something about. I ca- I caught I have to go back and listen to get the exact words, but it was something about. Um, I you know I feel bad that I'm going to have to kill Tony, but um, you know I he'll probably. You know, I should be forgiven because I'm I'm freeing him from a world of, of uh, of 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 sin or of tyranny or of whatever. Um, so, it, you know, it was clear that the killer was was constantly making these audio journals um, between all of his killings, and I thought it was interesting that you know, even though Isabel Lancia was the only one that mattered that you know they showed that he had something to say about the fact that he was going to that he was about to go kill the kid um and he was like yeah i'm i'm sorry that i have to kill the kid but you know it'll be better anyway because i'm freeing him from this terrible world or something like that and um you know obviously that didn't happen because um because andrea got got there in time but um you know it it was it was something that i had never noticed until this most recent viewing uh, of the film and I had seen it a few times I don't, I I I get to the point at the end of the most of these films where I'm sometimes I I would like for them to kind of explain things a little bit sl- more slowly or a little bit more thoroughly yeah um, kind of like what they did at the end of bird where you know they actually go to the ins- to the inspector and then they switch over to uh, the psychoanalyst the giant and um, you know it's it's totally in a you know a, a, an homage to Psycho, the Psycho for reals, that's, yeah. That's you know that was really the the key film where they um, did the explanation at the end about what was going on with Norman Bates. But um, with this one, it was it, you know it was um, it was Bill. He was explaining it. I think he was explaining it in voiceover. Um, the one thing that I didn't really uh, that I'm still not able to process is you know John Lubbock was attacked in the tunnel by the hooker uh, the underage hooker Julia uh, by her father and I'm still trying to remember why they what they explained was the reason behind that attack why did they well I feel like he had to have like paid the dude to do it because I to my what I would think is he did that so he would be above suspicion because like oh i'm kind of crippled right now how can i possibly go and murder people it seems like it would have to be planned unless he thought that that was the dude who was macking on his daughter but then he didn't even seem that pissed off when that dude was taking her to pound town out in the woods 
<laughs> Your phrasing is fantastic. Taking her to pound town. I call it like I see it. Well, and to be fair, there wasn't much pounding going on. It was more slow rubs, but no. And you're right. I don't know if if it was yeah. So maybe John Lubbock, the killer, um, figured out a way to to have have him be attacked to to move suspicion away, or whether it was that um, that that Julia's father mistook him for Walter and attacked the wrong guy. Uh, that could have been it. So I'm not sure. I, I'm still not sure. I have to go back and check that out. But. Well, when, when he was talking to Andrea, didn't, maybe this was just to kind of diverge, to divert attention away from him. He, he said something like he knows that it was more than just robbery that he wanted wanted to get at him uh, but so it sounded like that most of the investigation was surrounded by the fact that he was just simply being robbed I don't know do you think that might have been it was just like a weird coincidence like that I think if it was robbery they wouldn't have made a big deal about it being her father yeah like it would have just been like some dude in the tunnel yeah I mean, this is why I, I think was... everyone was in on it. Like, it seems like <laughs> everyone had something to gain from this. But, I mean, that would be like the Legion of Doom. Like, you would have to have, like, some big, like, convention. Okay, everybody, I'm going to kill this chick. Does anyone else need something done or someone <laughs> killed so we could all kind of benefit from this? You know, yeah, right. like, it gets a little too conspiracy riddled, you know? Right. Yeah, but that's kind of cool. It is. I like that ending. I want that one. So, as far as this movie goes, what it like? Do we like it? Do we not? What do you guys think? Um, going back to when you guys were talking about the the differences between old Italy and new Italy, I thought it was interesting that some of the points Chris is bringing bringing up about um, him being trapped and uh, the the killer wanted to keep the the kid away from the evils of modern society and then we also talked earlier in the show about uh, David's choice Don't Torture a Duckling being this weird rural uh, strange movie this giallo that takes place outside of the cityscape and you get a lot of kind of run down dilapidated uh, houses and people and when you think about the motive of the killer in that movie not to give too much away but it was to protect the children from right. the the horrors of society that they would experience <laughs> later on in life, so <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if if the this new Italy is rep- representative of the vices of modern society, whereas the old Italy is sort of the virtuous part of it. So so I can get on board with with that theory that you guys are bringing up. But uh, overall, I th- I it was weird because. Yeah, with, with the choppy parts that I had to watch to kind of stitch it together. Um, but you I still loved... had all those staircases and lamps. I did. I did have the lamps. <laughs> and I did have the marble flooring. But in that three-minute clip of the chase scene on YouTube, um, it just yeah, it, it made my heart kind of slump, the, the fact that I didn't get to see it all. Because you missed together. the beginning of the chase. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was pretty much mid-chase when it started up, too. And then it ended, like you said, with him. You think he gets impaled because all you see is his face in this weird, like, Friday the 13th Part 5 reveal. 
totally. It looked just it, the guy looks like him in that. Like I think the rain's the coming end. down. Oh man. Yeah. So I just, um, but even before that, even before it cut off on YouTube, I just up until the halfway point, I was on board with this film. I was excited for the ride, and uh, it just all kind of fell apart under the weight of this this plot when they because of the fact that they didn't build up any of the characters or stories behind them uh there's just too many of them to keep really keep straight uh like we we're talking about isabel when when she told him to meet meet her later on in the night i thought that was helene like i just was totally conf- i don't know if it was the quality of the the show that i saw but um who was, was the dude hard- with the camera who was taping know. them banging in the den? That's see, yeah, yeah. I don't was that, that one of the characters? I think it might have been like one of the guys from the newspaper place. Oh, yeah. you know, like um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that that scene where Bill goes in to talk to the editor, and um, the uh, his boss and Beanie are together in one office, yeah, and then there's another yeah, guy yeah, watching yeah, through yeah, another yeah. window. I think that's who that was. Okay. Yeah. But so, it took, so I th- you know took like three or four viewings to get to <laughs> notice that one yeah I, I think creep you'll have to bring over your your three box set we'll watch pajama girl and then we'll watch this one right <laughs> after that so i can get better sense of it yay but uh yeah so, loved, so you didn't love the action love of the ending i thought it was a fun film to, to see but not necessarily a fun film to watch um, if I could be clever about it. it that was, was it pretty was, clever. It's <laughs> a lot of fun stuff to look at, a lot of cool camera tricks and photography, but as far as a, an actual film to watch occur, it was a little hard for me to follow through most of it. So It's probably going to fall right in the middle when we do our rankings next week. Uh, for me. We'll have to see what happens with Solange. Oh, Solange. Um, I really kind of like this movie. Um, I know a lot of people say it's kind of boring and kind of bland, and I I don't feel that. Like I I was totally on the edge of my seat the whole time. Was totally into it. <clears throat> it did get the plot got a little muddy. But then it was more of me trying to figure that out. Like, oh, does that mean... Uh, 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 and I'm just like kind of like running through stuff. But the movie was so beautiful to look at. I mean, whenever there was like shadow and light and dust floating up. I mean, this is just gorgeous. And there were so many shots where like the background was lit and they were silhouetted. You know? And it just... The cinematography on this hands down is very top-notch i think the cinematography in this is better than it it was in bird with crystal plumage like it's just really 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 clever it's good i did not like the day for night stuff and it got a little muddy in points but um i think more than anything um franco nero is like the I don't want to say the wild card because that sounds weird, but it's like he wasn't like your typical hero in these movies, but he was still really fucking cool, but he was kind of a piece of shit. 
you know, like, I don't know, it, it just, without him, I don't know how this movie would go. Right. You know, but, um, it's still gorgeous to look at. Yeah. Even, even some of the little things they did with it, uh, like instead of cutting between, um, the faces, the faces of two people while they're talking, they showed one face in the, in the sunglasses lens of the girl. Oh yeah. There's great master shots in this. There's great two shots. Like I like it when a movie doesn't, um, like crutch itself on the fact that it has to go like a wide shot and then over this guy's shoulder over that guy's shoulder exactly you know like when they could do fun stuff with master shots and um things like that which this movie totally did i mean from him walking through that uh weird kind of courtyard with beanie to him running down that never-ending staircase when he was chasing the um the race car driver and he saw his chick in the red car you know like there's just a lot of great wides in this movie and like my favorite one is when they're walking from the police station into the parking garage up to the staircase and when they get to the spiral staircase the light finally shines on them and the nuns walking down the stairs i mean that was just breathtaking dude like oh so good and I love things that can be done in one shot and have that shot be interesting. I hate cutting for the sake of cutting in between stuff in a shot. And so when I see somebody do that cleverly and where it's not boring, I get really geeked out and excited. What do you think, Chris? Uh, let's see. Well, I... Uh... I mean, you guys are pretty much echoing all the things that, you know, I like about the film. I It's one of my favorites, and one of the reasons why it's one of my favorites is because um, I can I can put it on, um, I can start it in the middle, uh, I can start it at the beginning and not pay any attention to the dialogue, um, and just watch it for the, just the, it, it, for, just for the visual you know just this the, the visual eye candy that just oozes out of the film it's just i think the first time i ever watched it um i don't think i even paid attention to the plot to be honest i was just enthralled with um the lighting and the, the, the camera angles and the the scenes and how everything is round and the staircases that are everywhere and all the round you know dome globe like lamps that are everywhere and um, you know, I think it's, I think you're right. I think if you had to do a, a side by side between this and, and bird with the crystal plumage, I think that, um, Vittorio, uh, really kind of amped it up a couple of notches for this one and really just decided, you know, I'm going to be as experimental as I want to be because I'm tired of, um, you know, whatever these guys were doing that, that made them take a break. Uh, and do giallo i guess most of it was spaghetti westerns i guess that you know there there was a a a pretty a pretty well-established formula for spaghetti westerns by 71 and so giallo was kind of like hey there's here's our here's our opportunity to uh, really experiment and and do some fun stuff that no one's gonna give a shit about because you know they're not looking at it like it doesn't need to 
be as formulaic as as a spaghetti western but um yeah i i i like it i i i like um i like the characters the story for the most part is 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 interesting enough um it doesn't it's probably not the best um it's not the best script in the world it's not the it's not the best uh you know motive for a killer kind of thing but um there's it makes up for it in so many other ways and it's fun to watch nero it's fun to watch all these different hot chicks um and again you know just the visuals are, are fantastic um and the music is good it's it's sparse um and uh you know there are there are a few tracks on the soundtrack that are like experimental tension building stuff and then um there are you know the main theme is good and i think there's there's another theme that's kind of like a kind of a very moody um with a with a female singer kind of just doing her la la la's in the background oh, I, uh, I think it's la-la's. i think it's the scene where um they're at the uh the sex opium den thing i think that's the soundtrack that's going on there um mm. but the other thoughts i had about the film that we didn't cover i think we covered just about you know all the notes i took did any of you guys notice the very final shot of the film how it looks like the aries symbol yeah i thought it looked like either an aries symbol or it looked like the letter v and and you know v for five um yeah but you know he he uh he he did that i don't know what you call it creep where you use the circle uh, and make the circle smaller and smaller. That there's got to be a name for that technique. I mean, they used it, you know, back in the, you know, early the days. Silent film. film. Yeah. yeah. Is, that, um, is that an iris? Yeah. Like an iris with, fade with, or something. Yeah. Exactly. And so he used as that, but then instead of totally totally fading it all out, they stop for a second and just show the negative space of the bridge borders and it and it forms like a v symbol i thought that was i was like wait a minute i never noticed that before because by that time i see the car driving away i turn the film off it's over yeah. you know I, no I, that's a great shot and that's the kind of shit that's like thought out that wasn't something that was like oh you know while we're here let's just do this or at least it felt that way it felt like a lot of the shots in this movie felt super planned and yeah. it's just it's kind of cool and like the thing um actually i'll hold off on that for a second didn't mean to cut you off there go ahead no, that's okay the, the only the only other thing let's see that i have on my list of of notes um about the film itself you know we talked about it being called black day for the ram um because they were obviously trying to you know cash in on these titles that had animal names in them um but yeah i mean i don't know if i agree with with you creep about the the day to night stuff um what i kind of got from it was they kind of i got the impression that they were trying to give you this idea that it's kind of always dusk it's always it's always uh either either just the, the moments before the, the sun comes up or the moments right after the sun goes down. It's, it always seems like unless it's the middle of the day, uh, these nighttime scenes are always kind of uh, ethereal to a certain extent. And, you know, you, you don't really know what time it is. It's like, okay, you know, you look at the sky and they're, they're leaving this new year's Eve party. Obviously it's after midnight, but were they partying until five o'clock in the morning? Um, they're, and they're walking home now and the sun's coming up. 
and and then there's the scene where um where tony uh gets out of bed because his mother calls from the airport and it's light outside but it's like is it is it really supposed to be the middle of the night and it's just um and, and it just you know they they just didn't film it they, they filmed it and it was it was too lit and they just needed the scene to be lit so they just had the skies you know in the scene were, were brighter than they should have been or did they really want you to well like when think... when the guy when the editor of the paper is like at the office and it's really late it's dark outside like the windows it's like super dark but then when he goes out it's really like that whole like blue kind of nighttime look you know and the only other time when i think that kind of works a little bit is when um his chick wearing the black wig and him are looking out his window and it's like shining blue at him right you know and that kind of works for it there but it just seems so bright when they're outside at night like when that dude was being chased through it was like, and then like, oh yeah, there's a car right there. Let me reach out to it. Oh no, it's too dark. He can't see me. Except it's fucking bright as shit outside. You know, <laughs> like there was that whole kind of bit. But um, and you're probably right. Like you know, the the fact that they took the original negative and and remastered it and it brightened it up a lot. You know, yeah. So that you see all the other things, or or maybe they just you know they did it because there was so much detail in the shots that they wanted to show that they had to do it that way. Well, let me Um, just say from someone who's had this happen to them, like I have a film that was released overseas and before it was released here and we made the movie really, really dark um, to hide stuff because we wanted it dark, but because it was so dark, we knew we could hide stuff in it. So when I saw the like remastered version or whatever that they were going to put out in America. We're watching this scene. And then all of a sudden you see this hand come up over someone's shoulder with a water bottle full of blood, squirting blood down this guy's chest. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, why is that lit? Like, and I just like lost it in the whole movie, like, because they like cleaned up everything and made it like kind of pristine like you could see every fucking thing that we tried to hide in the dark so um i don't know like i don't know if that is something that happened like originally that was supposed to look darker but uh it might have been grainy or something like that or too much noise or whatever but um yeah it happens yeah it's interesting and the other one that that i noticed and this isn't just um in the fifth chord, but this happens a lot in these films. And, uh, there was a really, it was a really good, um, example of it here. It's when you have two characters that are in the middle of a conversation and the scene cuts to a completely different location. Like maybe they're driving in the car talking and then it cuts to them being at an outdoor cafe and they're still in the middle of that sentence. Right. Um, and, and that happened here where they were um, they're in the car uh, Bild and uh, Helene are, are driving in the car talking about who the murderer might be and then all of a sudden they're walking with under the umbrella in the park and they're still having the same exact conversation like it, did they did they just say okay wait let's stop talking about this let's park the car and go for a walk and now we can finish talking about it now yeah. you know 
that happens a lot. It happened in, in Cat of Nine Tales a few times. And my um, favorite one of those is in Black Belly the Tarantula, where him and his wife are walking around, and like it looks like a fucking Tears for Fears music video. And they like just keep like looking off in the distance and talking, and then it cuts, and they're in a different outdoor setting in the same. It's hysterical. <laughs> it's good stuff. So yeah, I, I um, I really like the film. I have it on DVD. It's um, it's definitely one of my favorites. It's it's uh, it's it's one that uh, I would if I were to put it in my. If I were to say I had a top five, would the fifth chord be in the top five? That's a tough. That's a tough call. Uh, it might be, um, but we'll find out in two weeks or one week. Yeah, <gasps> right. Or two. Well, next show. Well, next show, right? Yeah. Exactly. When we do the top ten, where will fifth chord land <gasps> for me? And um, <laughs> do you guys have any trivia for this? I couldn't find. I could find very little trivia. Um, for the film itself, not really. I did find that uh, Bazzoni and uh, the director Luigi Bazzoni and Vittorio Storaro, the cinematographer, were actually cousins. Um, and yeah, like you said, it was based on a book by D.M. Devine, and uh, he was a crime fiction novelist. So, um, and then other than the stuff we brought up about about the cinematographer there's not too much um, as far as trivia uh, the cinematographer is still working Storaro he actually more modern horror fans might know him for doing work on the more recent Exorcist films Ex- Exorcist the beginning and Dominion the prequel to the Exorcist so not necessarily Oscar winning films but <laughs> he, uh, he did get Oscars for Apocalypse Now Reds. But he already got Oscars, so that's right. In, in the Last Emperor, so he he's already, yeah, he's already got a, a shelf full of statues. So yeah, he need it. what a dick. Um, <laughs> well, I on the uh, Blue Underground DVD for this, they have this little um, interview thing with Franco Nero and with um, uh, Sataro. I already forgot how to say his fucking name. I'm horrible. Um, but some of the funny, not funny things, but like weird little things I got out of it was, um, when Franco Nero was filming this, there was a movie in, um, London being filmed called Pope Joan. And, um, he would fly to, um, London early, early Saturday morning. Cause he was shooting fifth chord Monday through Friday and he would fly out there on, um, weekends and shoot all day Saturday and all day Sunday and then fly back Sunday night to be on set for fifth court again on Monday morning huh. which uh, and that was if I'm not mistaken it's a period piece so it's kind of weird to see stills from that knowing that like earlier like the day before he was drinking JMB and smacking some girl in the mouth <laughs> and um, there's that and um, also what I did not know is that this was not his first Jali. Um, he did a movie called The Third Eye uh, before this, and I have never seen it or anything. So, have you guys seen that? You're talking about the cinematographer? No, Franco Nero. Oh, Nero. Okay. I've never heard of it. Yeah, I, I didn't notice that that was a Jali. 
Well, according to him, it was. And he was um, married, or I guess is still married, um, to Vanessa Redgrave. And um, they actually just got married a few years ago, but have been together since the late 60s. And um, that uh, is kind of cool. And then just like a silly, silly... silly, Oh, and then um, her daughter... Ah, shit, what's her name? She married Liam Neeson and died in the skiing accident. Um, oh, fuck my head. Anyway, he, he walked her down the aisle when she married Liam Neeson. So that's kind of cool. But um, the funny bit that I want to say is that <laughs> on IMDb, um, the guy who played um, Beanie, who was also in um, Bird with a Crystal Plumage and a ton of other stuff, um, Renato Romano... Um, there is, you know how you can make lists on IMDb and everything like that? Um, he has made a list, and the list is called The Worst Profile Photos, Least Professional Profile Photos, Weirdest What Did You Do Last Night Photos. And his um, professional photo on IMDb is him shirtless, soaking wet with sunglasses on, like sitting on the side of a boat near the water or something it's hysterical so um (laughs) if you want a cool little pic of him kind of old and wet um just go to imdb (laughs) um but yeah so that's all i got yeah yeah as we mentioned franco nero he's the first young django from 1966 and uh, like we said his his accent's a little bit difficult to deal with. I think he could have been a major star in America if it weren't for his accent. Um, I know that kind of limited him. He was a pretty big star over in Italy, but uh, he couldn't really... He did do a few American films, but he never really could make a name for himself over here. Right on. So, um, we actually have some feedback. Already? Already? For this episode? Yes. Um... (laughs) And let me go ahead and read that to you. To the Jalo Chow Chow Duders. I'm really digging your show so far. I decided to jump in on your A Lizarded Woman Skin episode as my first taste of your bloody sherbet. Or sorbet. And then he says, mm, bloody sherbet. I like all y'all's production and overall great recording quality. I also like the music from the film in the background throughout the episode and your guys' rapport with one another. Good show. Well, I guess the whistling did not deter this person. <laughs> um, let me start off by saying that I am a huge Florinda Balkan fan. She is this odd-looking beauty that I think is an immense talent. There wasn't a lot of subtlety in performances in Jalo genre, and I really dig her in a lizard and woman's skin and um, Luigi Bizzoni's footprints. Um, I agree with you on the film's negative points, the frickin' whistling and the pacing, that damn chasing with the bats. But for my money, all the convoluted craziness works in the film's favor. It's super Hitchcockian to make the viewer doubt what you already suspect from the beginning. But I'd rather watch this than Vertigo. As for the London locations thing, I don't like that much either. Italians are psychotic Anglophiles, and they are always trying to film in exotic locations like Piccadilly Circus. 
I'm also a huge Lucio Fulci fan, and it's hard for me to say anything bad about him or tolerate even the slightest slight against his perfection. I'm kidding, but I got totally bummed when you all pointed out some of the technical gaffes and other issues. I'm goofy like that in my defense. Some people feel that way about Sergio Martino. Bite your tongue! Um, I like <laughs> Lizard a lot, but I view um, it and Perversion Story as stepping stones to don't, don't torture a duckling that's all for now keep up with the good work richard of the hello it's the doom show or this is the doom show so thank you richard that was awesome wow Very cool. good rapport yes yeah. we have that don't we i guess so that's what i was told <laughs> um so if uh any of anyone else would like to leave us some feedback or uh critique our critiques um i guess you could just email creeperson at gmail.com and i will read them on the show or you could do what alex did and um do the thing with the the voice memo that was also cool did that play okay did you guys hear it yeah, yeah. okay cool good. And everything he just likes well. to hear his own voice though i think so well who doesn't like to hear <laughs> yeah. alex's voice that's why we're doing this whole gig just so we could hear Alex's voice. Right, right. Right. <laughs> okay, so um, with all that said, um, if you want to do the intro, guess all the songs, um, or send in your top ten list of the um, the rank the first ten movies we've done on the show, go ahead and send that to um, Creepersent at Gmail as well. And um, make sure you guys come on the Jalo Chow Chow Facebook page and vote for um, the next batch of movies we do. Again, we have Who Saw Her Die, Death Walks in High Heels, and Eyeball. So the next few episodes are going to be kind of god-amazing. So, um, and I also wanted to um, just quickly plug... Um, a film um, that I got a free copy of. I haven't watched it yet, but it's going to be the next film that I score on Jalo Score to make something, uh, to do something completely different after 30 films. Uh, a brand new film called Virginia Obscura, um, which is uh, getting some good reviews as an independent horror film and being kind of self described as a neo Jalo. Um, so the uh, the creators of that film, um, the man is named Toby Osborne. Um, he uh, gave me a, a screener copy, a digital uh, URL that I can watch it on Vimeo, I think. Nice. Um, so I am I am going to watch it and um, I'm going to score it on Jalo score. And I thought I'd mention it here just um, for something different, because, uh, again, we talked about how we've been stuck in the 70s, which is a great place to be for Jalo. It is. Um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's going to be fun for me to, to score this and see um, how it fares and where it lands. Uh, I, I also wanted to um, score uh, a couple of other non-Italian films like Pieces and Happy Birthday to Me to just see how they land on the Jalo score. But That would be uh, really cool. I would think that that would be fun. And, and you know, the, the guy who plays uh, Edward Baumont is the dean from uh, Pieces. Yeah, uh, dude. If you remember that. So yeah. I forgot about that one. Um, 
and he's he's really he, he's he's great in pieces. He's I so love creepy. pieces, dude. So creepy. Um, but yeah, Virginia Obscura. Um, check them out on. Uh, they've got a Tumblr, um, and they've got a um, a Twitter uh, account. They they're tweeting out, and they're they're very nice to uh, uh, to me and to plug the Jalo score and and um, follow us. So uh, I thought I'd return the favor, and um, hopefully within the next couple of weeks I will watch the film and and uh, put it up on the, on my site. So uh, keep an eye out for that. That would be awesome. And we didn't even talk about it, but what did Fifth Chord get on Jala score? Oh, that's a good question. I think an 83. Um, and, you know, it lost a decent amount of points because the killer didn't really die at the end. He was taken away in handcuffs. What a motherfucker. Um, where else did they lose points? Let's on see. On the black glove, huh? The black glove, yep. Um, and then, um, the, the other big one, um, that gets scored is, um, if they apprehend, uh, a suspect and basically, okay, we've, we've identified that this is, this is the killer. We've apprehended him. He's in police custody. Everybody lets their guard down and the killer strikes again. Um, that, that didn't really happen in this film. Uh, they never really... Um, you know, they, they suspected that Andrea was, you know, a, a, you know, they, he was a suspect, but they never really followed through the with cops were super complacent in this movie. Yeah. They, they almost weren't even involved, you know, for the most part. So yeah, those were the, the big, um, those were the big point deductions, 15 points in the, in the staples section. So, um, had they killed off, um, the killer uh it would have uh put it closer to a 90 uh in the 90s so um interesting interesting. and um it got a 6.6 on imdb and um just if we're gonna plug something real quick uh my new book the legend of cartwain twain um is out since yesterday so if you like edgar Allan poe and tim burton which is not shallow at all um go that way um but yeah Cool. Awesome. Cool. I think we did all the plugging. Yeah. All the holes are plugged. Yeah. So. Yeah, no leaks on this boat. No leaks. This boat is leak free. into the horizon. Yeah. So um, I will leave you all with the trailer for next episode's fun, dumb. Um, what have you done to Solange? And um, I guess that's it. So, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Yay. Who is Solange? A girl. I was just using her as an example. Who is Solange? What happened to her? Nothing. What have you done to Solange? Well, she killed him the same way as the others. Have you any clues, Inspector? This is the third murder in three weeks. Is it true, sir, that Rosania is having an affair with Colonel Pickles? He just isn't a killer, and far less a sex maniac.
those girls know what it's all about, for sure. Only 16 and surrounded by secret boyfriends, petty jealousies, orgies, and lesbian games. What have you done to Solange? What's all this about a priest? One of Elizabeth's ideas. She kept having nightmares about the murder. Reliving it over and over again. What have you done to Solange? I know nothing about Mr. Rosani's relations with the Seckles girl and the other two. Nobody has said there was a relationship with the other two girls. Right? Oh, it seems rather evident. I see. Ciao. Ciao. 